0: We need to find the leader. Mangalores won't fight without the leader. One more shot. We'll start killing hostages.
1: That's the leader. Send someone to negotiate. I... 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 I, I've never negotiated. You mind if I... Try? No, no, sure, sure. sure. We're sending somebody in to negotiate!
0: Anybody else want to negotiate?
1: Where did he learn to negotiate like that?
2: I wonder. Welcome to The Rank with John and Zach. I'm John. I'm Zach. We've been friends since Cub Scouts and now 30 years later we decided to start a podcast where we'll be ranking anything and everything. You know the natural progression of events for millennials
0: you're probably wondering what credentials we have to rank anything Well, we don't have any and if you disagree <laughs> join the discussion at twitter at at the rank podcast on our website at the rank with john and Zach.com, or email us at the rank with john and zach at protonmail.com
2: you can also support us on patreon at the rank podcast and remember please rate review and subscribe so we can keep this thing going anyway enjoy the show
0: I remember, I remember your. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I, I don't want to call her out by name, but I remember your mom being good with tech stuff. But I don't know if she's really kept up with it.
2: Yeah, I sort of doubt that she would. Uh, that she would know at this point.
0: Yeah, like microphones and stuff. Like maybe, maybe back then, because she was doing it all for work and everything else. But I remember you—you you guys had some of the best computer stuff I'd ever seen when I went to your house for the first time. That's not to say you had like. You know, you didn't have mainframes and shit, but you had like good quality. Right, she computer. worked for
2: IBM, so that's yeah, why.
0: yeah. And I was like, "This is awesome." <laughs> you had a CD-ROM before I knew anybody who had a CD-ROM, which is neat to think of.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else had floppy disks. Yeah, and I was well, out you, there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you were you were living in the year twenty, 20- nothing, because I guess maybe you were living in the year
2: nineteen ninety eight. I do, I do remember that. You know, I remember that people my friends enjoyed coming over to play uh computer games
0: mm-hmm. with me. and you had a you had a pretty okay selection of computer games i had some for sure but you had ones i was like this is awesome what is this and you were like it's x-wing it's really good and i was like <laughs> i was like well let's play it for a bit and then i was like this is really good <laughs> i'm always this close to buying the x-wing and tie fighter collections on steam i never do though
2: you know, for me, the the ones that I like the most are the simulator ones, like the, yeah, like the business simulations and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like really. St- I have one that's like uh, it's I think it's called Showtime. hmm And it, and it's basically just a database. <laughs> you know, so they're playing with databases for fun. <laughs> well, what's what I what I like about it is like. So you can start in whatever year and give yourself however much money you want your studio to have Mm -hmm. and you just start making movies. Okay. And then you can just like, you know, say what type it is and you have to like, you know, try to make the script as good as possible. You try to get five stars and all the categories and then you put it out and you see how well it does, but you have to match it up with like what people are interested in right now. Uh Yeah. So like, it's really, it's kind of tough in that sense because then you're like, oh, well they were really interested in, in family movies when I started making this movie, but now by the time it's ready to be put out, they like, don't give a shit about family movies, you know? Yeah. Um, So you could just choose to shelve it for a while if you want. Um, and then, you know, you can pick different stars and directors and they all have their own, like, you know, star quality. Right. And it's just, but it's really just numbers in the end. It's just names (laughs) and numbers. Yeah. And then I, I, I remember, um, Sarah had a friend like a college friend come hang out with us before mm-hmm. before Lyndon was born. And um and I was like, you know, I can just stay out of your way. You guys can hang out and stuff. She's like, yeah, that'd be nice. So I literally played that game for <laughs> like 8 or 9 straight hours. <laughs> to the point where Sarah's friend was like, does he just not like me? <laughs> No, he's
0: just playing video games.
2: Like <laughs> my grown man. I was I was at least 30 at that point, I believe. Yeah. So
0: well, as someone who plays plays video games every day and is 40, or I'm not 40 yet, thank you. I'm uh I'm still a youthful 39 and I have five twelfths. Uh, but um yeah, no I same thing, you know, especially a game comes out and I'm just like okay everyone and anyone who knows me or cares about me i am now don't i'm not going to be available all week because i'm going to be in wherever you know (laughs) night city etc whatever
2: i wish that i could still do that
0: Mm -hmm. well you know you have a job i don't so that's that well my job is at the house so (laughs) i can be like i can be like no more dishes only only night city
2: hey you know maybe this will be our job so you can say you have a job come on um all we need is patrons come on patrons yeah patrons you know anybody wants to just uh put an ad on our i'll, I'll read pretty much anything that I'll, you want me to read
0: yeah i'll moment. read i'll read an ad for vaginal suppositories i don't care is that a thing can you have it's... a vaginal suppository <laughs> I don't know, but I just read a review of the uh, just to, like today, um, the new Sex in the City series. The second season came out, and I read a review for it. And Carrie has has uh, an issue with reading an ad for vaginal suppositories. So I was like, "Okay,
2: what exactly does a vaginal suppository do for you?"
0: I, I think it supposes. Um,
2: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because suppository like helps you shit, uh-huh. right? It, maybe it helps so, you uh, pee. Maybe. or just or just like if you haven't had a lot of action in a while and gets your backup out i guess i don't know
0: let's see let's see vaginal suppositories are solid oval shaped medical treatments that are inserted into the vagina and using a plastic applicator they become liquid within the vagina as they warm to the body's temperatures same a vaginal suppository (laughs) provides targeted relief from conditions affecting the vagina they also tend to be fast okay that's great but I'm not really sure what issues we're talking about
2: here. Yeah, it's a, that's really bizarre. Um well that's great. So that segues us perfectly. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm
0: glad that, that you have supposed. Okay. So how does that what does that segue us into?
2: Into our next movie. Yes. because um, you know she's got bandages wrapped around her whole body. Yeah, maybe she right? needs a vaginal suppository. We don't know. I'm sure she does. I mean, she just got
0: built. <laughs> she just got built, and boy, is she built!
2: <laughs> boy, she's perfect. Um, yeah. So, I guess we should say. Uh, <laughs> People are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> actually, actually, they saw the name of the episode, but <laughs> still, that's true. That's true. I always kind of forget that that they're going to know it going in. Yeah, because I'm always trying to be coy when we start, and then it's like, oh, they they already fucking know what we're it's talking the name about. Of- the name of what we're doing it's not anything we should just name every episode in the series action movie and mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to guess from our from our weird introductions
0: about bandages and <laughs> yeah and perfect
2: well in every episode what we do is we do some banter which you just heard um, and then we go into a brief summary of the movie and kind of where we're at with the rankings, and then we do potent notables, which are um, notables that are potent. Mm.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: they are about the production, and just interesting things that we've that we found about the movie. And then we go into the movie overview, which is where all the spoilers live because we are going to go through the movie from beginning to end. And then we do the rank, which is what we're all here for. It uh, we rank the movie on 10 categories on a scale of one to five, one being the worst five being the best. And then the cumulative score of the 10 categories, um, between the two of us is where it ends up ranking. So if you, I always think if you haven't guessed, but like you already know, so you so you, you, you read the, uh, the episode title. So if you just somehow didn't read the episode title, you're like, I'm just going to listen to this one, blindly uh, picked it. Today we're ranking The Fifth Element, the 1997 film starring Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, and Gary Oldman. And it was written by Robert Mark Kamen and Luke Besson, who also came up with the story and directed it. So The Fifth Element was set in the 23rd century. The movie takes place in a vibrant and visually stunning future where a great evil threatens the existence of humanity. I mean... you know, yeah. And according to an ancient prophecy, the only hope lies in the hands of a reluctant hero named Corbin Dallas, a former special forces operative turned cab driver. As Corbin's path intertwines with that of Lelu, a mysterious and powerful young woman who is believed to be the fifth element, they embark on a thrilling adventure to save the world. Along the way, they encounter an eclectic cast of characters, including a quirky radio host named Ruby Rod and a knowledgeable. <laughs> Vito Cornelius together they must you have
0: to do this entire episode talking in different characters' voices that's that's my, my demand because that was amazing
2: together they must recover the four mystical stones that represent the classical elements and use them to combat the looming cosmic threat So we've ranked aliens cliffhanger central intelligence blood sport the mummy predator hero iron man speed bullet train jason and the argonauts mission impossible bullet raiders of the lost ark spider-man mission impossible 2 the accountant inception teenage mutant ninja turtles robot jocks and the nice guys raiders of the lost ark remains on top now i did have a challenge with inception but mm. other than that there haven't been any that have been up to the task of challenging it it's basically been kind of sitting on a mountain the whole time except for when inception came and almost dethroned it um i actually thought the night the nice guys would be like a sneaky one last week but um it didn't quite make it there um
0: yeah. <laughs> I, I i sneaky didn't like it i think
2: <laughs> yeah this is basically what happened
0: actually would you believe <laughs> that i thought about rewatching it a couple of days ago because i was like you know i feel like if i'm in a better mood maybe it might or like I know a bit more what to expect, maybe
2: like because the tone was a little strange for me. But, you know what? You know what you might might benefit the watch for you. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that we have to go back and yeah, you know, re-rank it or anything, but maybe if you watched it with Hudson.
0: Yeah. Like have a like a fun experience rather than I'm just sitting yeah. there with myself at the computer.
2: Yeah, because I think it's I think especially when anything's a comedy, it's always so much more fun to have somebody there with you.
0: Yeah. That's why I, uh, I'm a big f- watching movies in the theater person. Yeah, um, me too. I don't want to be like an old oldster about it, but like it's there's something different, especially like you said, comedies or rousing things. It's it's just different. Like for instance, can you imagine going to see some of the bigger Marvel spectacles, like, but you didn't see it in the theater; you saw it in your house, and you're alone? Yeah.
2: Well, I think that's what's happened with the Marvel series, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, yeah. If you had seen you know if that was um just a really long movie or even if it was like you'd go you know one one episode was coming out in theaters yeah you know every week or something you'd see it with a group of people and you might enjoy it more but when you're just sitting there by yourself watching it you're just kind of watch, you're just going through the motions yeah
0: exactly so have to give but
2: that but will the fifth element fare differently than the nice guys right
0: yeah, well, we, uh, you and I, I think, saw the fifth element in the theater, right? Yeah, we saw it together, I believe. Yeah, w- Way back in the uh, olden days before, before.
2: I was 13. You were, th- we were both 13. Yeah, so. Uh, I was really excited for it because, number one, I saw an ad where they said it's like this generation's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So not only did I love Star Wars, but I thought Bruce Willis was like the best. So I was like, Star Wars and Bruce Willis? Zach. we have to see it. And you're just like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it looked really cool. I think
0: I think the commercial was during some something big. I don't know. Like, it was kind of a, one of those, like, during the Super Bowl movie commercials or something like that. Not that I'm saying that's what it was. And, like, I had never heard of it. You'd never heard of it. And it looked really cool. I remember that. Or maybe you had heard of it. I don't know. But no, was, I don't
2: think I mean maybe I had heard of it, but yeah. I remember seeing the I I remember seeing the preview. You were at my house, I think, and the preview yeah. came on. And I was I just like we like looked at each other, we're like, whoa, yeah, this gotta, looks fucking incredible. Yeah, we gotta see it. Um and I also remember because I was a big nerd, that I was like following the box office results of this one. Yeah. Because you know, I was like, I, I was like. I want it to do really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know why, but that's, you know, it's like well, I, I would root for those things like I would root for my favorite team. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, you mentioned in a previous one that you got Entertainment Weekly every week and you were like following the box office Yep, in that and everything. So I don't know. And you well, said you said you were a big nerd about those
2: things. Like you're not now. That's, that's a good point. You know, I don't know if you remember, but I used to have databases on the computer when it was Microsoft Works, and and I would write down the the box office results every week yeah.
0: in my database. I, you needed to have your own database of it, not just the not just the magazines, like as a record. <laughs> and now, you, now you play video games that are databases. <laughs> it reminds me of there's a there's a joke on the internet that for some reason, for whatever reason, German people really like like simulators like you know truck driving simulators stuff like that and they do sell well there but i saw a meme that was like a guy who's at work and he's driving a forklift and he's like oh better so, tiring day of work on my forklift better go home and he plays forklift simulator
2: as soon as he gets home <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of you <laughs> that does sound like me actually um <laughs> but you know what's funny though is that this movie i remember that it didn't do that well at the box office but this there's a there's a bias that has been instilled in me because of entertainment weekly magazines for years mm-hmm. in that i don't give a shit about international box office <laughs> because entertainment weekly only showed the the domestic box office so i would be looking i'm like oh god dude so why isn't it doing well like i was i needed it i needed it to get over 100 million dollars yeah. just it just did it has reached Cult status now. Yeah,
0: and I feel like it did that kind of quickly. Like, yeah, I think so too. It wasn't that long before people were like, "This is actually a lot of fun, and we're watching it." Sort of like Fight Club. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, Fight Club became a cult classic like as soon as it came out on video.
0: Yeah, like sometimes that happens where just it doesn't connect with theater crowds for some fucking reason, and then people watch it at their houses. That's the reverse of what we were just saying, right? (laughs) Somehow the accessibility of it being like on video or whatever people go, why do I sleep on this while I was in the
2: theater? This is fun. I think that happens actually less now mm-hmm. than it did then. Um, because I think that now with, you know, the aggregating um, rotten tomatoes score, mm-hmm. right. People just kind of look at that and they go, man, eh, it's worth my time. Or no, it's not. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody does, but a lot of people do, you know, and I, I'm ashamed to admit that a lot of times you know, especially when you're like, okay, I have I have like one movie a week that I can mm-hmm. see at most. Yeah. So, you know, I'll look at the Rotten Tomatoes score and be like, well, I don't think I'm going to see that one. I don't want to waste my time on that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but back then, you didn't really have that, right? So I, I think that the problem that this movie had was that the way it was marketed, I, I think people just saw it as like, oh, it's another like blockbuster that they're trying to get my money for, you know, but, yeah, but, yeah. but it's not some an IP that I know. So I, you know, I think that was the issue that it had. And then of course it comes out on video and everybody's like, oh, sure. I'll, you know, I'll write the video. It's lower and stakes. Like, oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Um, you can watch it on your own time. You can watch it in installments, you know? Um, and, uh, I think you you make a good point about the IP that not being established, that's a problem we're still having today where movies that are either based on little or known things or just not part of, you know, these enormous, these enormous franchises, right. have some trouble getting off the ground sometimes. It's like, we're so conditioned to, you know, oh, it's the newest installment in the, you know,
2: whatever series and that's all we care about, so. You well, know, it's interesting, too, because it's it's the opposite of what I was talking about just now with this one, because mm-hmm. so one of the, like like a like a bullet train, for instance. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, the, that was a moderate hit, mm-hmm. but people went to see if it was like, OK, I like Brad Pitt. It seems OK,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, but it got sort of middling reviews. But if that had had like a 90 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, it would have been a huge hit, mm-hmm. I think
0: yeah because there are only so many things that we can devote to going to see
2: right so um anyway let's let's dive into the next uh the next segment here what what is the next segment Lyndon? (laughs) as always we'll start with the box office which you know i was just talking about anyway but as mentioned previously it didn't do that well in the domestic box office mm-hmm. making 63.8 million dollars but it did make up for that in the with the international box office pulling in 200.1 million dollars mm-hmm. which i didn't know until i was like looking this up i'm like oh shit, it actually did pretty well yeah <laughs> for a worldwide total of 263.9 million dollars all against a budget of 93 million dollars
0: You know, $93 million is a lot of money still, but um, it's, I don't know, we've,
2: that is a lot of money for the time, right? Yeah. Well, it, so this was actually produced by a foreign production company. Oh. Gaumont? It's French. I don't know. G-A-U-M-O-N-T. So, um, Gaumont, 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 Gaumont. Come on, productions! Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> all the French is like, hey, "We,
2: are angry at you for <laughs> our accents. These ridiculous accents." Yeah. Oh, what is that fun? I am French, that's why I have this ridiculous accent.
0: Yeah, a uh, Python. And oh,
2: that's right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but but yeah, so it was the largest. It was the highest budget product production. Yeah of any foreign title at that point. Jeez. Or any foreign production at that point.
0: Well, it's interesting that it made that it made decent money overseas then, I
2: don't know. If it was the biggest movie in France for years actually. And it's not even in French. I know, but it was a French director and that's yeah. and, and he hired like French people to do everything. There's oh, yeah. actually everybody knew somebody who worked on the movie. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of gens in it. <laughs> so yeah. it, was,
0: um, it was it was a genre pick
2: oh nice nice <laughs> you always
0: know a joke goes over well when someone doesn't laugh
2: but still congratulates you on it <laughs> yes that was humorous well you know what it is it's because sometimes you don't get it right away mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's you feel like the joke there not the joke but the laugh mm-hmm. the laugh portion of the reaction is already gone <laughs> You know, like I should have laughed right away instead of been like, "Uh, (laughs) you know,
0: yeah, you're over there. Laugh portion of reaction missing.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm a robot going back to the potent notables from the mummy, though. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but we were we discussed how much of the budget was taken by special effects. Mm -hmm. And I had said in that episode, oh, I'm going to try to look for, you know, how much like what percentage of the budget goes to special effects Mm -hmm. right and then i forgot to do that about for every other movie (laughs) yeah um but i was like oh i'm gonna look into it for this one because i saw this blurb that said that the movie used 80 million dollars of its 93 million dollar budget on special effects Mm -hmm. and i thought i'm gonna have to look up i'm gonna have to look this up because this that seems insane that's way too much right So I couldn't corroborate this. So I don't know where this blurb got this information from, whatever. Um, However, I did find this, and it's a quote from an article by Inverse. Mm -hmm. The fifth element was made in the waning days of practical effects. It featured just two uses of green screen and fewer than 200 special effects shots. Right. So that means there's no way they spent 80 fucking million dollars (laughs) on it. Yeah. Models and miniatures were the order of the day. One of them, a movie-making record, seven hundred or seventy-five hundred pounds. Uh so one of the models in this was seven thousand five hundred pounds. jeez Um. So I, you know, like okay, well now I've got to find out what this was. Yeah. And it was the two thousand foot space cruiser, the floston Paradise.
0: (laughs) May as well have built a real spaceship.
2: I know. And so this, at the time, was the largest motion control model ever built for a film. I wonder where it is now.
0: It seems like it would be a fun collectible.
2: Yeah. I bet Luke Besson's got it at his home. Damn him. Keeping now, his own stuff. Now, as for the budget, though, at the time, it was the most expensive movie ever produced outside of Hollywood, which mm-hmm. is what I was saying earlier. But of that budget, Sony, Columbia Pictures, paid $25 million, which gave them the distribution rights for America. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it like that, right? So it made 60 whatever million dollars in, in America, mm-hmm. right? Which definitely recouped the $25 million that Columbia paid, which means that 90, what was uh, what's that, 68? So $68 million of the budget went to the other production company overseas mm-hmm. and it made $200 million overseas. So everybody was making money on this film. Yeah. And here, my whole life up until now, where I was <laughs> thinking, it's really sad that this movie flopped. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, the rest of the world, you
2: know, yeah, yeah. Another tidbit on budget. All right, Luke Besson originally wanted to hire a no name actor to play Corbin Dallas to save some money. Mm-hmm. He was having lunch with Demi Moore, Bruce mm-hmm. Wills' wife at the time. Mm-hmm. And as Besson explains, quote, Bruce shows up at the dessert and he just says, Hey, my man, what about me? <laughs> That's a direct quote from Besson. Who was supposedly direct quoting Bruce Willis? Yeah, and I love the idea that Bruce Willis would say, "Hey, my man."
0: Me too. I like. <laughs> I like that he knew that's what they were talking about. Like he was listening in and like waiting for the exact right moment to walk up and be like, "I'm available." <laughs> like now, I imagine, that- I imagine Luke Besson over there, like, "But who will I get to be in this movie? I have no one to be in it. There is no star that is big enough." <laughs> and then Bruce Willis wanders over. Oh, hey guys! I was just. I was just looking to be in a movie, and I wandered
2: in. I noticed you sitting here eating with my wife. and I Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But Besson told him that he was too expensive for it, right? Uh, (laughs) Now, Bruce's going rate at the time was $14 million per picture. Mm -hmm. But Willis told Luke to send him the script, and that if he liked it, quote, we will make an arrangement, end Mm. quote. So I couldn't find what arrangement he made, but he clearly didn't make $14 million on it. Um, maybe what Bruce Willis, oh, go ahead,
0: maybe it was like uh, um
2: he's reverse. like, I'll take thirteen point
0: nine eight it was like a reverse uh, indecent proposal and 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 uh, Bruce Willis slept with Demi Moore as payment.
2: well, that doesn't make any
0: sense, you're right, that's <laughs> why it's reverse <laughs> <laughs>
2: um so what Bruce Willis did divulge is luke came out to our house in malibu i just liked luke i liked the story i liked the idea i thought it would be fun to go to france and make a movie <laughs> that's his whole take on it okay. <laughs> fair enough i guess <laughs> it seems like most of the budget was costume design by the mm-hmm. way yeah well the cost well we'll get there so luke besson hired designer jean paul Gaultier to engineer cutting edge costumes. And he was so into the work that he would inspect hundreds of extras in their costumes every day during filming. So he's a French fashion designer. Like, he was a real
0: fashion designer. He wasn't Yeah, just, correct. Not that costume designers aren't, you know, whatever. But, like, he was independent of being in the movies. Correct, yeah.
2: I know. It's, it's kind of... It, it sort of makes sense when you look mm-hmm. at the film, though. Yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll talk about it, but... Well, Luke Besson wrote the original screenplay when he was in high school. Mm -hmm. So he had conceived the story of this movie and invented the world of the movie as a child so he could escape his lonely childhood, right? Wow. Um, Yeah, and apparently it was originally a trilogy, and he said Uh it was terrible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, he thought it was terrible, it's probably best that we didn't make it. (laughs) Now, he began writing the script when he was 16 and made the hero a taxi driver because his own father... Worked a second job as a taxi driver, and he did this to support Luke going to art school. This is getting kind of a little bit sad. Isn't that nice? It's nice, but also like kind of bittersweet for me. And Luke like... has a has a taxi driver in almost all of his movies to honor his father. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that really nice? It is. I wish I wish more of his movies were better. Yeah. Well, just wait because you might not like Luke as much as we continue. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm glad his movies aren't quite as good. Now, during filming, Luke demanded that most of the action shots in the movie take place in broad daylight, Uh as he was reportedly tired of the dark spaceship corridors and dimly lit planets common in science fiction movies Mm -hmm. and wanted a brighter, quote, cheerfully crazy look (laughs) as opposed to a gloomy, realistic one. Well, I will say that that he achieved achieved that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Whatever you think, that was what he was going for, and he got it. Yep, um, it's kind of nice, actually. You know, and I read that, and I thought, you know, it is kind of—it's a different feel in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the divine language spoken oh. by Lilu was invented by Luke Besson and further refined by Miliovovich. Okay who had little trouble learning and developing it as she was already fluent in four languages. Oh okay. the language the language only had 400 words and he and Mila had conversations and wrote letters to each other in the language as practice. Okay. And by the I end like of filming yeah, by the end of filming they were able to have full conversations in this language.
0: They're just sitting there sharing private jokes and Bruce Willis is like,
2: Hey, guys, what are you talking about?" And what's what's fun too is that when he when Corbin meets first meets Lilu mm-hmm. and she starts talking to him in her language, Luke Besson didn't tell Bruce Will, Bruce Willis what Miliovovich was going to say to him. Mm-hmm. So Bruce's reactions are real, and Bruce Willis ad libbed the line: "Look, lady, I only speak two languages: English and bad English." <laughs> he, he improvised that. That's really funny. I know,
0: I know that, that's the sort of line where he improvises it and. And the, and the director's just like, yeah, we're keeping that. That's, yeah, exactly. yeah. that's better that's, than whatever I, I wrote.
2: <laughs> yeah. Can you say that every time we do this? Yeah. Stuff? Now, here's the thing. I'm wondering if maybe Luke and Mila worked a little too closely with each other on creating okay. the language. Mm-hmm. Because Luke, who was married at the time. Did and be his more? Wife, no. His yeah. wife had a role in the movie. Okay. Who'd she play? Plava Laguna. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. He decided to leave his wife and be with Mila. <laughs> so his and wife they,
0: probably remembers this movie fondly.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they eventually got married and divorced. So
0: yeah. um and she's married to a director now. I don't the guy who directs those Resident Evil movies. Oh really? Yeah.
2: I didn't realize that. Well, she likes directors. Um, I, I
0: I hope that she left Luke when she was working on this other guy's movies. <laughs> and I hope it. Just she just marries whoever makes movies with her over and over again. And we, and in unrelated on an unrelated note, I am going to directing school this next this coming year. <laughs> I plan on making weird sci-fi and or horror movies. With you know if you know Milovovich. anybody, yeah. Feel free. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of trying to get Bruce Willis and Mia I know Bruce isn't doing great these days, but I think I can coax a good performance out of him.
2: Yeah, could you? I don't know. <laughs>
0: This is not to insult the man. He has enough problems.
2: Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. No, I don't think you're insulting him, but I don't think that uh, I don't think he's. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) so this sent me down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like, oh, so who is he married to? What was going on there? Um, I was like, wow. So he was he had this his wife on set Mm -hmm. and still got with the star of his movie. And on top of all that, like the wife, his wife has to be like really like she has to like really care about the main character who her husband ends up leaving her for. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of messed up. So this is what I what I found. Um, his then wife, who was named Maywin or Maywin, mm-hmm. was twenty years old at the time at the time of the movie. Okay. <laughs> I assume that he was not 20 years old. No, he was, uh, I think, 36 or 37. Mm-hmm. Um, but she had given birth to their child oh. when she was 16. Okay. <laughs> they started dating when she was 15. Okay. And he was 32. Okay. That seems... Anyway. So they had a, basically a shotgun wedding when she mm-hmm. got pregnant. And uh, Yeah. So I mean that doesn't make him a terrible person, I I guess, but it's a little creepy. Yeah,
0: it's definitely rather creepy. I assume in France they're loosey goosey about those things at times, especially in the you know nineties, which is what it would have been. But
2: yeah. Anyway, just uh, thought I was I was um, I just I wasn't expecting this information when I was yeah, looking into yeah. it. Like, oh, okay, he had a teenage wife. Mm-hmm. And then he left his teenage wife, who I guess wasn't was barely not a teenager. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Who also birthed his child yeah. to be with another young model.
0: Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's uh great.
2: yeah. <laughs> so this of course doesn't stop Luke Besson from being praised, right? Uh-huh. Um, like this from the sound designer of the movie, Mark Bangini. Quote, Luke Besson did everything I thought a great artist should do. He hired the most creative people in every department and just told them to do what they do without any micromanagement. That to me was an epiphany," Mm -hmm. Um, end quote. So this sort of gives a little bit of credence to a rant about hypocrisy that we'll hear about in a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Now, when composer Eric Serra showed soprano Inva Mula, who dubs the voice of the diva, Mm -hmm. the sheet music for the diva dance, right? Mm -hmm. She reportedly smiled and relayed to him that some of the notes written were not humanly possible to achieve because the human voice cannot change notes that fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So hence, she performed the notes in isolation one by one as opposed to consecutively singing them all together and they digitized the notes to fit the music. Hmm. There are a few moments when you can hear the differences in the vocal tones of the diva's voice.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I actively tried to hear that and I did not. I don't think I got it.
0: Yeah, I, I doubt I would have either. But it does uh, kind of uh, give like an, an, an inhuman quality to the singing. I feel I didn't realize. Yeah,
2: it's interesting too because i I was when I was listening when I watched that scene, I could tell what they were talking about in terms of like because it's like <laughs> you know like yeah know. yeah yeah. There's no way to no way to really do that, which. I just did, so I guess there is. (laughs) It's impossible. (laughs) Now, historically, I've always enjoyed Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Gary Oldman? Gary Oldman is
0: the best. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the only problem I have with him is that I hear he's a Republican, but I kind of wonder if he's really a Republican in the 90s sense, or like today. Like he's one of the few conservatives in Hollywood, but. Um, even setting that aside,
2: has he ever given a a performance that wasn't at least fun, even if it wasn't (laughs) great? Right. I feel the same way. I've always, I mean, every movie I've ever seen him in, I'm like, this is, you know, and Luke Besson felt the same way. He loves, um, Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, I thought I'm doing some potent Notables, doing some research. Let's, um, let's look into some Gary Oldman stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I did, and uh, <laughs> he happened to do an interview with Playboy, mm-hmm. where he kind of makes some interesting comments. Um, okay. <laughs> so never mind. This is the one that started me down the rabbit hole. When asked if he liked The Fifth Element, he responded, "Oh no, I can't bear it." Oh geez. <laughs> Which okay, you don't like the movie you're in. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says in another interview uh, that was a retrospective of his characters. That he only did the film as a favor to luke besson quote i had made a film which was called nil by mouth mm-hmm. and luke besson was one of the producers he helped me finance my film he called me saying i need you i need you to make a film <laughs> and i hadn't read the script it was a favor end quote okay so now let's go back to the playboy article where he also said in defense of mel gibson quote he got drunk and said a few things but we've all said those things the policeman who who arrested him has never used the word n-word um he actually said it though i'm not going to okay or that fucking jew it's the um, hypocrisy that drives me crazy he also said in defense of alec baldwin when he used the three letter f word on someone yeah Quote, Alec calling someone an F-A-G, and that time he did actually spell it, which I think is interesting that he was okay with saying the N-word, but not the other one. Um, Alec calling someone that Mm -hmm. in the street while he's pissed off coming out of his building because they won't leave him alone. I don't blame him. So Mm -hmm. they persecute. Mel Gibson is in a town that's run by Jews, and he said the wrong thing because he's he's, he's actually bitten the hand that I guess has fed him and doesn't need to feed him anymore because he's got enough dough. He's like an outcast, a leper, you know? But some Jewish guy in his office somewhere hasn't turned and said, that fucking kraut, or fuck those Germans, whatever it is. Wow.
0: So, um, okay. Uh, I owe you.
2: <laughs> Hold on, there's more. Oh, good. <laughs> he goes on to say, quote, at the Oscars, if you didn't vote for 12 years a slave, you were a racist. Okay. So, yeah, he was... Uh, is that true, though? Did anyone think that? I don't I, think they did. It it felt very much like the persecuted white man. Yeah. Um, it's funny when you say that, you know, oh, just because he used
0: the slur against Jews, he's being persecuted. It's like, well, I'm not sure persecuted <laughs> is the word to use here. Given <laughs> yeah. so anyway. So I don't care for all of that from him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he was he was I mean, I, I I did pick out some of the comments, right? So I'm taking them listen. And so to the listener, I took them slightly out of context, mm-hmm. right? But there's not much context that yeah. you need here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What's the context? <laughs> the context is he was railing against the hypocrisy of political connect- correctness. Yeah. Um, don't know if it was that effectively put. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway that's my destruction of our th- images of uh Gary Oldman for you-hmm great <laughs> <So that's good. laughs> it's kind of a bummer because we're gonna we're definitely gonna be ranking more movies with him in it yeah so it might be tinged but oh well I'll separate the art from the fuckhead, you know <laughs> yeah exactly
0: <laughs> so let's talk Ruby rod a little bit yeah let's <laughs> so <laughs> I know Chris Tucker was on some. Anyway, let's
2: just keep on. So, um, Chris Tucker was not the original choice for mm-hmm. Ruby Rod. Uh, there was somebody else that was that had signed the contract, but then couldn't do it because of uh, scheduling conflicts. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, picture Ruby Rod. Mm-hmm. Now, picture a singer that you think could be Ruby Rod. Well. Uh, I'm going to go with Prince. Um, you are exactly right. It was yeah, Prince. Nice. I feel good. <laughs> Prince was originally cast as Ruby Rod, but then had to drop out because he couldn't film around his touring schedule.
0: You know, I think Prince would not have been right for that because he would have been too Prince and too serious. Yeah, it would have been, I, been
2: just Prince. Yeah, as, it would have just been. You know, in I think, 300 years from now. Yeah, exactly. And
0: I think Chris Tucker does a good job of being. Like that, but its own thing, and not being overly serious and being funny. I think it's a lot less. It's a lot less easy to be funny in that kind of a role than than I think a lot of us think. It's, it would be easy to come off as really flat and stupid. Yeah. Like, I think I think Chris Tucker hits the right notes there, as opposed to.
2: Yeah. So I mean, we'll get into this when mm-hmm. we do, when we do the rank, but I, I was. I, yeah, I think he does a really good job in this, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I don't want to—I don't want to get ahead of myself here. But yeah. what's interesting though is that um, Jamie Fox and Chris Tucker were the two that were up to be the replacement for Prince, mm-hmm. and so Luke Besson had to choose between them, and he went with Tucker.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not because it was a kill, like a killer audition or anything, but mm-hmm. because he had a smaller frame. <laughs>
0: why did he shoot somebody with a small frame
2: because he wanted to put him in all those dresses and stuff oh I see
0: <laughs> you know it's funny I saw a, uh, a skit on In Living Color where um, Jamie Foxx plays Prince and the joke is that Prince keeps getting smaller and smaller like, <laughs> he, like they film it so he looks smaller than like the rest of the backup dancers and everything but, like, every time they film it, like, they keep using force perspective and stuff. And Prince is just like micro. <laughs> like, he's like Tom Thumb at the end of it. And the backup dancers are looking down at him, like, what the fuck? Why are you so small? <laughs> um, and I'm one to talk, but Prince was about my height in real life. And he was a slight man. So, if they were going for that, Jamie Foxx is probably a bit of a two on the broad side. Uh, that's exactly what it was.
2: Now, Chris Tucker has joked that if he had known what kind of flamboyant outfits Ruby Rod would be wearing during the movie, mm-hmm. he might have turned down the role. <laughs> now, he's joking, because yeah. uh, he, he does say, like, quickly, he's like, he was really glad he embraced it, because it's, or quote, because it's one of my favorite roles.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Which I think it's nice. kind of cool, yeah. Tucker also made lots of creative suggestions for his character, which were almost universally ignored or turned down. <laughs> Lucas sounds like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he joked about it. He's like, yeah, everybody was speaking French. And so, like, he would make suggestions and then they would all pretend like they didn't understand him. <laughs> so,
0: like, uh, Lucas just turns away and talks to somebody else in the divine
2: language. And like, hey, <laughs> come on. Now, I couldn't find any of these ideas, but to his credit, he did say, quote, it made me go into the character more, so I'm glad they didn't listen to me, Ooh. end quote. Um, Now, according to associate producer, John Amicarella, quote, when we were cutting the film together, Sony Columbia was concerned about the character maybe being a little out there for the Mm -hmm. general public. Luke was like, no, this is what I want. This is what I want. Um, and he arranged a, pre- a preview. The, li- for the-, the listener is not going to get sick of this accents so that we're doing at all, I'm sure. <laughs> and he arranged a preview for the core audience at the time, which was teenagers. Mm-hmm. It scored really high on that, on that character, and that put the discussion to rest, end quote. Now, apparently there was an incident at LAX in regards to this film.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Again, John Amicarella, said, quote, as they were unloading the negatives off the airplane at LAX, they'd fallen off and got run over by a forklift. Okay. <laughs> and the scene that got mangled was the big scene, the shootout in the opera house where all the stars are running around. Already? They did manage, they managed to fix the damage, but the experience was not good. <laughs> That's what he said. That's a crazy scene to have, like, yeah, m- maybe needed to reshoot, you know? Mm-hmm. Get everybody um, back and all the
0: all the sets and special effects all together, like
2: yeah. I mean, how like, much oh, more would get- your yeah? How much more would your budget have ballooned if that happened? Quite a bit. Um, and I'll leave you with the the story of how we got the sound of of the Earth being saved. This is mm-hmm. again from the associate producer John Amicarella. Quote: We wanted it to sound like something beneficent, so we made this sound by screaming at a piano. If you yell at an open piano, the the strings sympathetically vibrate and create this angel choir sound. Okay. (laughs) Isn't that cool? It's really interesting. I gotta try that next time I'm around a piano. I know! I was thinking the same thing. So that's it. That's uh, that's the potent notables. I thought it was... I I thought this movie was pretty good with the potent notables. Those were pretty potent. (laughs) They're not all winners, but this one... (laughs) This one... uh, they're never losers, I will say that. The potent notables are usually, there's usually at least one nugget in there that you're like, wow, that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. This one had like three or four nuggets that I was at least surprised at. I don't know yeah. if they were good or bad. But Well, let's dive into our next segment here, which is the movie overview. So buckle up, people. You're, the movie is about to get ruined if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Put on your space cab seatbelts. Or skip to the next chapter. Yeah. you know Whatever you want to do.
1: Movie
2: overview. I was thinking as this movie started, it's really fascinating how many filmmakers use a pan-in shot of Earth or any mm-hmm. planet in, in their yeah. opening.
0: Yeah, it's funny. um It's like, it's like the the ultimate establishing shot, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're this is science fiction. Yep, this is science back. fiction. Here's Earth. <laughs> What <laughs> which unit do you send up to space to get that one is it the third unit or the if you're christopher nolan it's just you, you go up yourself
2: yeah if you're christopher nolan you do it. everything's practical okay okay you're just, Inter- you're just interstellar was actually filmed near a real black hole nobody that's... knows how he was able to do it but that's he's the it's, it's secret he's not telling
0: he's just like an alien that would be that would be neat but yeah science fiction i think
2: aliens was it aliens did the same thing no no no. aliens, was, aliens. was out in space already
0: right. Predator.
2: Predator did. With yeah. the
0: thing, like the pot or whatever it probably was. Star flight. Wars does it? Yeah, Star Wars does it. Um, so, yeah. Iron uh, Man. I mean, it's effective, so I think, because... Spider-Man. Do...
2: <laughs> the English patient. Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Um, Schindler's List. It's like a lot. Schindler's List, yep, yep. Well, Spielberg does it in every, every one of his films. Yeah, except for E.T., strangely. Yeah, isn't that weird? He used the moon for that one, though, at least. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> so, we've got Aziz Light, uh-huh. um, which apparently he said 11 times. Okay. okay. Why do he do that? I, well, because Luke Perry was uh, tallying it, if you recall. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why they were counting that. Like, yeah. What was, like, you were going to demote, like, were you going to pay him, take a penny off of his pay for every time they had to say it or something? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and, like, why is the Luke Perry character so disinterested? I don't know. It's a little strange because. Yeah, got, yeah, I've got all your snakes.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't know. He's, like, such a
2: little random character. and Like, I don't know. But, But then he's like so wanting to protect the professor after that, you know, like he killed the professor, you know? Uh, Yeah. It's, it's an odd
0: sequence that is, it's not an odd sequence, but I don't know. Those two characters aren't important. So it's a little strange that we even.
2: Honestly, this, this whole establishing scene for the movie of like establishing what the it's going to be about, Mm -hmm. I I find very confusing and I Mm -hmm. love the fifth element. All right. Mm -hmm. But this whole thing, why does it have to be a secret? You know I just
0: watched it and yet somehow I got the professor and the priest characters conflated somehow. So I don't know if I wasn't paying attention or what, but I was too busy sketching
2: snakes I think. I guess so. I also think it's kind of crazy so they got the I don't I don't remember the mandalorians i think they called them or something no they're not mandalorians <laughs> that wouldn't make any sense <laughs> uh, there's something some yeah. some alien race right and they come there and they're like we must protect life you know war is coming the stones aren't safe here kill the professor excuse me it's more like we must protect life yeah warriors carbure- i can't do it sure. <laughs> well they i actually read an interesting quote notable about how they did the the voices here too mm-hmm. and i, I they they basically for these guys' voices, they took the the voiceover and then, right. you know, like did this digital pr- work with it to make it sound like a brass intr- instrument. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. It's a cross between a human voice and a brass instrument. Jeez, we're shouting at pianos. We're combining human voices and brass instruments. So. Well, and then and then the other the Mangalores, you know, the the warrior ones. Yeah. they crossed those with dogs. That makes sense <laughs> <laughs> um now, yeah, and then so like only n- time is not important, only life is important. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we're just gonna kill two people here, yeah, you know there's like what eight to t- there's like ten people there, yeah, and they killed twenty percent of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> not not the best start to protecting all
2: life, yeah. That's like almost Thanos level. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're ahead of their time, these guys. But I will say, I knew aliens built the pyramids. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's too
0: difficult to stack stones in a logical <laughs> in a logical way. No one could do that except for aliens. That's
2: right. So then, you know, Luke Perry shoots, right? And uh, the door starts closing, I guess, because he's shot and then the you know the big the big duck alien um waddles <laughs> to the door and says the only life is important line sticks his hand through and like puts the key out through his finger yeah and then his hand gets crushed i always found
0: that to be a bit of an awkward shot and i don't know why but even in the theater i remember being like was that what like there was a different way to get him the key i don't know it's just we, and like, it really
2: focuses in on, in on his hand being crushed. It's, I don't know, it struck me as odd. It's, it's There's so many levels of odd to this, right? Because, yeah. okay, so here's one. All right. Um, the way to open the door is with that key, mm-hmm. right? So um, if he just like tosses him the key, the door closes, he can just open the door back up and let him out.
0: Yeah. Right? He, he no need to have your hand
2: crushed. crushed. Yeah. <laughs> on top of that, I assume he dies in there because what else is he gonna do, right? Yeah, he's just um, sitting
0: in, sitting in there still for uh, three hundred years or whatever it is.
2: Right, but then three hundred years later, they go and open it up. No sign of him.
0: Yeah, he just dissolved into dust.
2: You know, but well, he's an alien, so maybe that's what he does. Maybe he was able to teleport. You know, they like beamed him up. They should he should have they should have beamed him out of the thing. And, and I also am deep. like, so nobody found this hand. Mm-hmm. In between a wall? That's true. So okay, 300 were, years later, nobody was like, hey, that looks like a, a hand. What's that about? That's odd. Anyway. I just re-
0: I just remembered we skipped a, a small scene I wanted to bring uh, attention to. Oh, okay. It, it's it's nothing. But um, we're in the desert here, of course, in the pyramids. And like... 1914. It's, yeah, it's funny to me. That when you're in this kind of scene, every single director on Earth has to have a shot of a camel. Oh, I know. (laughs) Like the camel's head. And camels are always chewing. So it's like just camel. Just every time. It's like we won't know we're in Egypt or whatever unless we get that shot of a camel. And it's like you can can establish that we're in Egypt or wherever just with the desert. We don't need the camel every single time, directors.
2: Also, so here's a... Yeah, probably won't leave this in, but I'm going to say this part. How clear of a sign of white privilege is there? Like how much clearer of a sign of white privilege is there than a professor who gets water in the desert. Now, I mm-hmm. get that it was poisoned, but mm-hmm. he dumps it out because he wants champagne. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> that, that almost strikes me as a, as a
0: a comment on like Egyptology and white people going all over the world and just being like, I want this. Right. No kidding. Um, I'm going to keep this up till 2023.
2: <laughs> so, all right. So now we've we've done our establishing scene. We mm-hmm. cut to 300 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really want to know what the Federated Territories are. Yeah, I know they. Uh, actually, it's pretty good world building at this. It point. is. It is really good. I'm not. I'm not. When I say I want to know what they are, it's not because. I thought they did a bad job. It's because Mm -hmm. I'm like genuinely interested to like what in this world means the federated territories. You know, they, uh, it it sort of
0: is an indicative of the fact that he had more in mind when, uh, like, you know, that it was originally a trilogy or whatever. And I think it's an interesting editorial decision to like actually be like, you know, the rest of my story that I came up with is not really worth the movie. But it does establish like a lot of really good stuff as far as intrigue about the world. Right. Because so, cause sometimes in some movies, like, I don't know, Robot Jocks... They say shit and it's like they just made that up. Like that's not actually referring to anything interesting. It's just <laughs> they just needed like, oh shit, we need like a name for another place or something like that. We'll call it the the council, whatever. I don't know. And <laughs> it, it you can tell when they actually have more. Like they actually wrote backstory and everything like that.
2: Right, right.
0: So this is a good this is a good example of that.
2: Now I'm not sure because this is where we meet Vito Cornelius. Cornelius! Uh, for the first time. And. Um, <laughs> You're hitting the home run with these voices, I gotta tell you. So, yeah, we meet him for the first time, and he somehow has access to the president mm-hmm. for his religion of two people. <laughs> um, <laughs> it seems strange that he's in there, like, as though he's, he matters at all. I mean, it does, I think they announce him as Vito Cornelius, mm-hmm. um, you know, master of astral phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's, there's it's a little they bit like give how, a reason.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit like how uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character in contact is ever there. Like he doesn't matter who, like, he's just, hi, yeah. I I'm religious. You need my, need my advice. Need the advice of a religious guy. Yeah, sure. You can hang out. Come Would on you in. need me to take my shirt off. <laughs> that we need. We always need. <laughs> He's like... Um,
2: all right, all right, all right. Um, what's what's interesting here is uh, apparently uh, Vito Cornelius only speaks for exactly 20 seconds. Really? really? Yeah, and that's what the president said he had, right? You have 20 okay. seconds. <laughs> um, but then the president says something that I... I just, I guess I, the first, you know, 100 times I've seen this movie, I just uh, didn't think was a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I heard it this time and I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> he said, me or you and, or me and 200 billion of my fellow citizens. Uh, 200 billion. <laughs> yeah. That's, is that just Earth or is that like Earth and associated
0: worlds? I guess,
2: I guess you're right. It could be associated worlds, but I'm, I mean, I took it as Earth. Right, that's, that's way too many people to be on Earth. That's way too many. I mean, okay, so let's just say that we do have enough mm-hmm. that we could that our resources could handle two hundred billion people, which you know, science may. I mean, we. I don't know if you saw this, but we just had uh, the FDA just approved um, chicken built from animal cells. Oh yeah, I've been seeing that they've been working on that. I'm excited that it's getting approved. Yeah, I'm. I'm not, not going to eat it, but. I'm excited. It's pretty neat, you know? Yeah, I mean, is. it's like no animal has to be killed for their meat. Not only that,
0: but the amount of um, resources we put toward keeping those animals alive until we eat
2: them. Right, alive. exactly, exactly. So, this is exciting. So, so I'm just saying that, you know, we're on the verge of being able to do s- stuff like that. But even so, right, do we really think that we're going to go to $200 billion in 300 years? It, it just I, I, seems kind of...
0: Yeah, I get that they're like trying to, trying to mention, trying to point out how like the world is crowded, you know? But like, it's like they just were like, all right, insert arbitrarily large number here. And someone said 200 billion and they left it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're right. If you, as soon as you think about it for two seconds,
2: it's like, that's too many. That's an astronomically high number. <laughs> you know? Why do they bleed from the top of their heads? This is a good point. Talking to Mr. Shadow or looking at him or whatever.
0: I don't know. I assume it's like space magic or I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just, I mean, like I could see it if it was like they're bleeding from their ears, you know, yeah. it's That's just, just weird. Me. like the top of their head. So it's like, like their it isn't... hair follicles are bleeding. It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm thinking about the part in Arrested
0: Development where Tobias keeps getting these hair implants and he looks so, Oh, bad. I know
2: <laughs> he looks so awful. That's what I'm thinking now. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we you know, they try to blow it up. Doesn't work. Vito, Vito's like, see, I told you those fucking morons, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, then we cut to Bruce Willis. So we finally get to see the star of the movie, mm. right? And um, here he is. Of course, he's going to wake up in a very Bruce Willis way and go mm-hmm. for a cigarette. Because apparently <laughs> everybody 300 years from now still smokes.
0: Still smokes cigarettes,
2: not even something new. That- I- Exactly, they're not vaping, they're smoking cigarettes, and it's a four-fifth filter cigarette. <laughs> you know, I love it that is little. like a filter. <laughs> I don't know like if that's
0: like if smokers in the 90s were angry that filters were getting larger and larger, but it does amuse me for some reason. I see it and it makes me. I feel found nice. it very
2: amusing. Then we get to see this tweaker show up at his door, right? He's on the phone with finger, he's picking he's I guess fingers is fair, mm-hmm. and um and then he goes to answer the door and we got this tweaker <laughs> has an amazing hat on here's here's another thing
0: that confuses me about this movie and I'm not even saying it as a problem it's just like there's so much weird stuff that they inserted in like <laughs> this guy this guy is so weird and he shows up out of nowhere and like and then he's gone yeah and then he's gone why does this scene exist and yet i love it it's so I love this scene too. This guy's a Yeah. It's like, I don't know what we're establishing here, but it's it's effective, whatever it is. His hat, like you mentioned, is weird, his gun is weird, his demeanor is weird. I love how calm Corbin Dallas is dealing with him as though this is like such a common occurrence that fucking wackos try to hold you up in your
2: house. I don't know. Well, I think that was the point, is that yeah. crime is rampant, is yeah. what they're trying to say. There's so many people, you know. Um but yeah, that's, uh, it was, it was fun. And then they, they established that they have 48 hours to, to stop this thing. And I don't know if I just didn't remember that, but I, 48 hours is like a really short amount of time for this whole story to take place. It really is. I really thought it was like over a week or two. Yeah. I mean, they have to fly to another planet. Yeah. A different I solar guess- system. I guess it's hyperspace or something, right? But like, I guess so. I don't know. Whatever. It's just interesting. I mean, I'm not bashing it. It just mm-hmm. was like, oh wow, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the expensive shot. So the I know it's not Mandalorians, but I can't remember the name of them. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, they, so they're coming to bring the the fifth element, what they think mm-hmm. are the stones and the fifth element, to them, and the Mangalores shoot them down. Mm-hmm. Right and uh and like oh this is terrible but they but they are able to salvage <laughs> the fifth element's hand which apparently is enough to bring somebody back to life yeah um and i guess if it's somebody who has two hundred thousand mamo memo groups whatever the hell that is <laughs> it's, it's it's the thing he made up that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> um it's easy to bring them back i guess mm-hmm. have that um, but it's pretty short sure...
0: it's a matter of virtually nothing they just, just <laughs> start, turn the machine on and it apparently does it
2: but then we get hello nudity
0: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my 13 year old my 13 year old self is running for the
0: you're like mila Jovovich my my, yeah. hey. i'd like you to jova been- your
2: <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> what well, You know, I don't know if you remember this, but we had no idea that there was going to be nudity in this. I believe I do remember that. It was just,
0: okay. We were on the theater, like,
2: I think we looked at each other like, oh my God, did you see that? Well, isn't this movie
0: PG-13? It's one of those ones where it's like just random nudity and you're like, "Ah, I'm not
2: complaining. It's just, I'm surprised. Twice. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like, hello, (laughs) all right. (laughs) That's how it's looking as code for,
0: for like getting some or something. Yeah, I was surprised. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I
2: mean? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, and this is the other, the the other thing that I didn't really understand about how <laughs> how this worked. Mm-hmm. So they shoot the strap, the bandage straps over her. Which, by the way, Mila said that the the bandage get up was her idea. Oh yeah, she pitched that. Well, um, do so you know what it
0: was supposed to be initially?
2: They were trying to decide. They were trying to figure out what to put her in okay um but they wanted it to seem futuristic but they you know they also didn't want it to be i don't really i can't remember exactly but she she's like what if i was in bandages you know Mm. and they were like hmm this is a good idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't know about you but every time i do this french voice i'm pretending i'm smoking like right (laughs) along with the impression so how did they get the straps all the way
2: around her you know, I don't know <laughs> because she's laying on her back, and then suddenly, yeah, they just maybe, it just goes over the top of her. But then all of a sudden, it's like a full outfit.
0: You know, that's a good question. Uh, one of the many unanswered questions about technology in this movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess if they can reconstruct her entirely from from from, from uh, the you know the hand or whatever, they can somehow. I don't know.
2: And why is her hair orange?
0: That's a good question. Um, because I like it, 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 but it's yeah. It a, it's it. It's one of those design decisions in this movie that are kind of inexplicable, but also fun. Like, for instance, Gary Oldman's hair in this movie.
2: Yeah. Well, you know Bruce Willis, he's you know he's dyed blonde, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Which I uh, like actually kind of suits him in a weird way. I know I liked it too. But so another there were a lot of potent notables that I just left out, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting them back in anyway. Um, but he, Luke Besson, right at the beginning of filming this movie um dyed his hair blonde and verse okay. thought oh this is kind of funny and then so he did it too everybody and dyed their hair blonde why well, he suggested it to luke actually he's like maybe okay. my guy should be blonde and luke was like yes this is an excellent idea <laughs> you're tr- you're getting a little german in your accent i know i know i'm gonna fix that and yet no i like it keep getting more and more german <laughs> i'm getting a little fascist um <laughs> not so, so bad please Gary Oldman would be pleased. So then, you know, she's like, you know, they say that the glass is indestructible, which mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, well, that means it's going to break. Yeah, okay. Um, But it is cool, you know, mm-hmm. especially like a a very like teenage uh, comic book kind of way, mm-hmm. which also, interestingly, Luke Besson hired comic book artists mm-hmm. to, to do the whole story okay. as a comic book that because he wanted it he wanted it to look like a comic book
0: well i think they they succeeded in that
2: i know i thought it was just really fascinating um so so yeah she runs away right she's she jumps through the room made of Mm tinfoil, um and i thought i would get you with that one (laughs) and (laughs) No, you did. I just was agreeing, like, oh yeah, it room was made out of tinfoil. <laughs> um, and then we have the police uniforms with the gigantic lights on them. Yeah. Which is, kind of makes sense. It does. Um, unlike, unlike a lot of those
0: decisions. That one that one does actually seem uh, like functional.
2: Yeah. I'm like, why don't why don't we have that as part of uh, police uniforms now?
0: You know? Yeah, let's let's campaign for that. I don't actually don't know that police need more bright lights to kind of
2: people. Well, you know, give them a light, take away a gun, right? Okay, I'd be fine with that. Yep, me too. Um, So, you know, they've got her cornered or whatever, and they're like, they're all the police officers are all around her, and Mm -hmm. the the so the cops that are inside, they like have some idea of what is happening, right? Mm -hmm. But then the cops that are outside are like, oh, she's you know. Got no file. That means that we got to kill her.
0: Yeah. Which is quite the, quite the
2: leap. Yeah, which she's about to take quite the leap. Oh, good one. Yeah, thanks. You said it. Um, <laughs> so she lands in his car, and the mm-hmm. car goes, you just had an accident. hmm uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know, you daffy bastard. <laughs>
0: and it, That's actually a really good example of um, – the way technology, it, it gets better, but also more annoying at a similar yeah. rate. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. I really need to thing to tell me that every goddamn time.
2: I also, I really enjoy like Bruce Willis was such a charming guy. Mm-hmm. This whole scene, I'm just like, man, he is just charming as all hell. Um, I and also was thinking, Oh, go ahead. No, you go
0: ahead. Uh, it, oh, it'll, go ahead. It'll tack on to whatever you finish saying. I think. No, no, no I'm
2: moving on. So go for it.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, well, you know, um, What was I going to say? Oh, he he combines this laconic sort of, like, world weariness and, like, legitimate comedy chops in a way that I don't see anymore. Like, I can't think of anyone comparable, if you want that kind of character. Um, and that goes all the way back to to John McClane, at least, where, like, he's annoyed at things, but also is just consistently funny. And, uh, I feel like a lot of, I feel like modern action movies could use more of, of that. And I know he yeah. started out in comedies. It's, it's kind of funny how we think of him as like a serious action star sometimes, but so many of his early movies are so funny.
2: You know, it's interesting too, because the, the way you're describing how he was or mm-hmm. how, like how he is in a lot of action movies, especially in late eighties mm-hmm. and through the nineties, mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of the performance that Brad Pitt gave in Bullet Train. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like kind of like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but still <laughs> funny.
0: Yeah, but still quite funny, and not over. Like over, I don't know what I mean by over, but not, not. It's not too much, and it's not too little. I don't know. It's a good. It's a good mix of. Right, because so exactly. many comedic comments, so many action movies that have comedy these days are like, either over the top. I- I'm not going to name any names but it's just like you get tired of of them trying so hard to make jokes. Yeah. And like this one, the jokes feel very natural. And the things he says are just funny. Even just the way he says a lot of them, you know? Even yeah. Even if it's, even it if it's not a joke, it's like a natural charisma, like you said, that it's just amusing.
2: Right. Um, but so just to, to keep us going here, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking while I'm watching this, it's interesting that she fell through the roof, but not the floor.
0: You know, yeah, it's a good point. (laughs) I'm just going to write that off to movie physics, and now you've you've kind of ruined that shot for me because now I'm thinking about it.
2: (laughs) Well, I think maybe she landed in the seat,
0: you know? That's true. Yeah, she landed right in the seat and cushioned, and she's
2: like, oh, well, yes. This is what I meant to do. I also thought it was funny, like, so when he finally, uh, like, decides to, first of all, if you're going to leave, do it before you hook the cops to your car, True, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But when he does finally decide to leave, they—it it sounded like they put a tire squealing sound in. Did it? It did a little bit, and I was like, "That's—I uh, think it was the like the uh, the crank being pulled out." You uh, know? I see, yeah. But it sounded like it was tire squealing, which I thought was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, then you can't have a car chase scene without
2: tire squealing effects. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the world building in this is really fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're using an action scene to continue to build the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're doing all this stuff We're, you know, there's trains. It's a cool chase scene. Um, and then they have to make it down to the fog, mm-hmm. which is just like a, like, there's just a layer, like a, a hundred feet worth layer of just smog mm-hmm. that covers the entire city.
0: Okay. I wonder if I wonder if people um I was thinking um back in the especially early 90s remember it was like there was a lot of concern over smog like especially in LA and like acid rain and stuff so you can very I can at least very easily see like visions of the future being like yeah it's just going to be nothing but smog because that seems to be the direction we're going in
2: yeah i mean thankfully it- I don't think we are going in that direction so much, but it's not—it's not a great direction. But at least it's not that.
0: I think we have improved in a couple of ways. There, you're right about that. Like a little bit, the hole in the ozone layer is fixed a little bit. So maybe, maybe we're doing better than we think.
2: Well, let's hope because we need to be. Um, <laughs>
1: so
2: you know, there—he's now i <laughs> so he, he's hiding in the in the smog in the fog mm-hmm. as they call it. And then he looks back at her and she's like kind of passed out. And he's like, oh shit, I better go mm-hmm. down. There. Like I risked my life to save this girl and then uh you know mm-hmm. <laughs> she dies. That wouldn't really be great. But um then we get some insight into Miliovovich's acting chops here mm-hmm. with her very dramatic pass out.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: that's Vito true. Cornelius.
0: Oh. <laughs> Please. The voice is killing me. I love it,
2: <laughs> but it is a you know. So he he brings her to Vito, right? Mm-hmm. Um And Vito passes out, which mm-hmm. <laughs> you know,
0: it's a lot of passing out in this this, this section.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like I realize that it's it's the director that's telling yeah. me to do this, but. It felt a little bit like okay.
0: Um, Vito is played surprisingly silly, yeah, very silly. It's it's a little strange, but like, like you at said, the end, <laughs>
2: it's because like, mm-hmm. no, 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 if was a bomb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like you said, it's the unifying vision of Luc Besson or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: it's it's you don't expect it from some of these actors, so exactly. And it, it seems like they were probably having fun. I mean. Yeah. So uh, apparently, everybody said they had fun doing this movie, except for Gary Oldman, apparently. <laughs> except for Gary like, Oldman and
0: except for Luke Besson's wife.
2: Well, she didn't say she didn't enjoy filming the movie, although um, I'm sure she doesn't look back on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it aftermath. Yeah. But um, I, I did enjoy also when he goes to wake up uh, Vito. Mm-hmm. Hey, wake up you know yeah Very <laughs> like sarcastic look i mean mm-hmm. like i don't know why he's so like he's such like a dick in that moment like yeah. hey dick why'd you pass yeah. out <laughs> well i mean it's, it's a legitimate question <laughs> yeah that's true and then we get a very cute interaction yeah. where you know it's cute even though she's holding a gun on him yeah uh, but where he's learning her name mm-hmm. you know let me go TF Jack Oh, that, that whole thing's your name, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um and it, I did find it interesting that nobody had cell phones on this. Yeah. Um, that
0: seems to be something that they hadn't quite thought of. I mean, Bruce Willis uses his, his landline several times.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> or maybe it's more Wait—is is it even a TV phone like in demolition man, or is it just a phone? I can't remember now. I remember—it's just TV a
2: phone, but it's like it's a really a phone. tiny phone. You yeah.
0: Know? Well, oh yeah, it's like phones are <laughs> landlines are going to get way tiny, but then we're going to leave them at home.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but then we get our second shot of boobies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, oh, they really do make her perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right, you pervs. <laughs> but. Now, I don't know if you remember this. So, you know, The Fifth Element came out in 1997. Mm -hmm. Toy Story came out in 1995. The Evil Emperor Zurg. Huh? Come on, stealing from Pixar, Luke Luke, Buzzon. He's like, I wrote this when I was 15. (laughs) Pixar stole from me. They also stole the idea of Ratatouille from him. That's right. Um, just the accent, though. But I really yeah. did enjoy the uh, the almost choking on a cherry scene. Also funny. It's kind of goofy, especially when he gets the mm-hmm. the little alien animal out, and he, the, the animal's just looking at him like, "What is it?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, funnily enough, we so that I guess saves Vito's life. He goes mm-hmm. back. And then we cut back to Bruce Willis, who is, you know, home with his crushed up cab.
0: Mm-hmm. He's having
2: some Chinese food. And apparently we have not been able to get past the Chinese caricature in 300 years.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I actually really like this scene for the visuals. But like... Right.
2: <laughs> Me too.
0: But the I didn't have was... any
2: issue with it in 1997. Me neither.
0: I was like, oh, he's Chinese. But, and, but I don't know. It's, it's not the best. But I don't think it's... I that mean, bad either, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being.
2: It's just, he just has a Chinese accent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at it in terms of he's emigrated, it's not mm-hmm. like he's being made fun of or anything. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was funny that he was like, it's going to be good news. I know it. Mm-hmm. You are fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I actually just,
0: I don't know. I, I, like I said, I love the visuals in this scene when the guy flies in his his junk or whatever it is away and we get another shot of the city or whatever it is, the city I guess is... Well, I yeah, I... uh it, it really works like really, really perfectly for me, the way that these visuals look. At the yes. time I liked it and like actually I appreciate it even more now in a sense because of how visually inventive it is and yet, I don't know how they, how they did it exactly, if it was those were some of the green screen scenes or what, but it looks surprisingly convincing given the time
2: yeah i i was pretty impressed i i have to say i didn't uh there was not a point in this movie where i thought oh this is old you know mm-hmm. no yeah we'll which, touch on
0: that later but.
2: which not even the mummy could boast two years later
0: you know mm-hmm. yeah the mummy had a couple of scenes like with you know cgi that i was like yeah not not the
2: greatest good for the yeah, it wasn't terrible or, any, or yeah. anything but this movie did not none of it never felt but that does, I think that draws back to the practical effects. I mean, they were using mm-hmm. a lot of models and miniatures. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, yeah. So now, you know, he's going to find out that he won the trip to Flost in Paradise because his, mm-hmm. his crazy mom yeah. is calling him. And the, you know, his commanding officer shows up. Do we ever see him again, by the way? Um, at the very, I think at the, you know, I oh, don't know. Oh, that's right. We do. Cause yeah. he's like, my man knows what he's doing and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Cause I'm like, how did they survive Being the refrigerator? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> it's not like there's tons of oxygen just sitting in a, in a fridge. Yeah. You, know? And,
0: you know, cryogenically freezing people is a more delicate process than just freezing them. <laughs> like literally um, freezing them, but whatever.
2: But yeah. So then, you know, we get major Iceborg, which I thought was just an hilarious name for, for her um iceborg. so i like that they did these weird sound effects when she was nodding her head forgot mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> about that it's the it, only time they do that through the whole movie
0: see again with the silly touches where it's like wh- why but okay i'm not I'm
2: not even mad i'm just confused so then Vito shows up with lilu and lilu, you yeah. know they come in and he's like i've got to save the world right and um And then he hides him in the bed, and he puts Mm. her into the shower, and lifts that up when the cops (laughs) show up, looking for Corbin Dallas. And you know, this is a weirdly like sitcommy sequence. It's very (laughs) sitcommy, where he's hiding everybody in all
0: these different. Like he's got how many people hidden in his own in his house now? Like five. Yeah.
2: So he's got one hidden in the bed. He's got one hidden in the shower, and three are (laughs) in the fridge. In the
0: freezer. Yeah. So.
2: Which like to me, I'm I'm thinking like, well, if he could have hit him in the shower, why wouldn't why wouldn't he have done that instead?
0: Yeah, it's it's funny that he saved the shower for the for Lilu, you
2: know? Well, I mean, we know why.
0: Yeah, I know why.
2: <laughs> <But> <laughs> he's not gonna freeze her, you know. And Luke Besson is like, is there any way we can get more shots like this?
0: Yeah, exactly. He's like, uh, excuse me, Ms. Yozhivichevich,
2: <laughs> we need you in the shower, please. Yeah. But he said it in the divine language. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: so everybody else was surprised.
2: But um, <laughs> I also enjoyed that he gives sass to the cops. You know, mm-hmm. it's like negative. I am a meat popsicle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember what? thinking that was really funny at the time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it was like my favorite second, like, you know, favorite little part of the movie. I was like, I'm going to talk to cops like
2: that when I'm in the future in a cab driver. Yeah. <laughs> it'll show how cavalier i am about the, all of it and then uh then we get the next the other guy that they think is corbin dallas and it's uh smoke you you know the entire this part
0: with all the different corbin dallas is showing up at the airport also very sitcommy. it's funny yeah. how this movie goes goes over the edge into that so many times with like with the stream of corbin dallas's and i love it's it's not for a minute or two but i love the the stewardess or whatever she is the, the the person working at the airport her her reactions to all the corbin alice is showing up i love it
2: <laughs> no it is it's really good um now we're, we're coming up to one of my favorite scene scenes mm-hmm. in like cinema ever <laughs> in terms of comedic moments yeah um so yeah they they, they go and you know, David, the young uh, Padawan there of Vito, is is uh, going to take. He's going to be Corbin Dallas, right? And he's going to yeah. go as Lou's husband. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> you, see, you know he gets there and he's freaking out. And the the thing that I didn't understand was they had gotten the multipass that would say Corbin Dallas, and um, Bruce Willis shows up, grabs him, and he looks at him. He's like. He, he picks up the multi-pass, looks at the multi-pass, and goes, David here. I'm like, well, wouldn't it say Corbin? <laughs> That's a good what? point. How would he know his name from looking at the multi-pass that says his name? I don't know. It's his own name, and somehow he can do it. And then he's like, I am Corbin Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who is this? And he's like explaining it, like, oh, you know how love is, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Multipass." multipass. <laughs> she just says multi <laughs> multi yeah she knows it's a multi bass anyway her we're, her fa- her, fa-
0: her, fasc- <laughs> her fascination with multi pass is, is amazing and i i was thrilled to find out that a lot of the internet enjoys like enjoys that multi-pass joke so much because <laughs> i feel like you and i have been saying that for years
2: just multi-pass multi makes me very epic it's it's a great one but i love that it was like uh I, so I go into when I watch whenever I watch this movie, I'm like dying to get to this part. Mm-hmm. It still just makes me smile time. day. I'm watching it by myself and I smile, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love that she says it later too when they're on. Um, like he, he, they take him somewhere else with Ruby Rod, mm-hmm. and then they look at her and she just goes multi pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's a fun way to
0: make her character because her character could come off as way too serious. Yeah, and. It, ma- it makes it very cute and fun, I think, in a way that d- also doesn't diminish from her badassery when needed.
2: Yeah, exactly. So now we're going to meet Ruby Rod for the first time. I mean, Ooh. we saw him in a, like a commercial yeah. before, but we haven't seen him actually in person. And uh, he's kind of incredible. <laughs> Parker, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. I think I just, you know, I remember not liking his character that much. Mm -hmm. When we first saw it, like I remember thinking it was kind of annoying. Um, but now I don't think that at all. I think it's kind of daring of him Mm -hmm. to have done the role at all. Yeah, you know. Um, and apparently everyone smokes in the future because he smokes too. Yeah. But uh there's an interesting dichotomy in this, I've noticed. Mm Because I like that they blur the lines of for gender, Mm -hmm. right? Like men are wearing dresses, and it's not like and, like, Bruce Willis finds Ruby Rod annoying, but it's not because of how he's dressed. It's just that he's, like, you know, a shock jock that he's annoyed by, you know? Yeah. Nobody really gives a shit what anybody's wearing, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is nice. But at the same time, McDonald's workers and yeah and stewardesses are are all female and are mm-hmm. all scantily clad. Scantily
0: clad right? with these cleavage-revealing dresses for no reason.
2: Like, right, exactly. And that's their uniform. Yeah. And everyone that's in charge is a man. Mm-hmm. Except for the film.
0: That's a good point. I feel like that's an example of like the filmmakers just not occurring to them.
2: Right. I think so too. Which is, you know, I'm not and I, I'm not bad. It's a product of its time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to say it's like terrible for not a, it's just interesting that they were like I bet in the future it won't matter who wears what. Mm -hmm. which you know i hope we get there someday because i think it would be better for the human race in general that we all just don't give a shit what anybody else is doing Mm -hmm. as long as it's not hurting anybody and um
0: speaking of clothing i put um you know i was just looking at some 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 stills from the movie for like uh for like costume design and stuff like that how cool is this weird jacket that bruce willis wears at this point in the movie
2: yeah i know it's awesome
0: it's like like a short sleeve jacket somehow and yet it looks really fucking cool I guess that's an example. I, I as a matter of fact, I'm looking at a lot of the outfits here and just they're so neat. I kind of wish we all dressed like that. What about Bruce Willis's crazy orange shirt that he wears throughout most of the movie? His orange shirt is interesting because of the shade of orange it is. It's so
1: funny.
2: And also it matches her hair weirdly well. Well, I think that's why they did it. But mm-hmm. um Bruce Willis has said that he really enjoyed the outfits that, mm-hmm. that uh Jean-Luc Picard, whatever his name is, <laughs> created.
1: We're <Our> mixing <laughs> universes
2: here. It's not good. <laughs> I, wonder, um, I wonder if you can
0: buy that, like, because that'd be that'd be a fun costume being being Corbin Dallas. It would be. Oh, um, I have a group costume idea. Corbin Dallas, Corbin Dallas, and Corbin Dallas.
2: Oh, that's them, a great idea. And Corbin and Dallas,
0: well, all the different Corbin Dallases. You can you can be uh, Bruce Willis Corbin Dallas because I want to be um, the second Corbin Dallas. Who like can't keep his face straight? Or the third one? I don't know what number he is. <laughs> you know the one that, that she she. I know it's in the
2: alien yeah. where he's like, well, yeah, uh,
0: yep. That's that's gonna like, that's gonna be me.
2: Um. Now, the 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 last Corbin Dallas who shows up and mm-hmm. she's like, listen, just fuck off. I'm <laughs> sick of Corbin Dallas. Her, her um, she plays it well. That actress just with the like Corbin Dallas. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm finished with this. So, but apparently Zorg ha, just has explosives in payphones. Which, by the way, I love that there's still payphones in the future. Your payphones, yeah, no cell phones, payphones though. It's at a payphone in a spaceport. Mm-hmm. We have spaceports, but mm-hmm. payphones. And he has explosives. There's there,
0: apparently there are spaceports. I I just got what you meant by that. There are spaceports, but no cell phones.
2: <laughs> um. So, it's interesting that when he asks about getting something to wear, mm-hmm. it's a bunch of sport jackets that come out. Yeah. You know, like, everybody's wearing crazy shit, but except he's like, for, yeah. yeah, they're like, well, here's all the stuff in Flossed in Paradise, Giant Room, and you know, it's just cool. a bunch of jackets.
0: That's a good point, because sometimes in these movies, everybody will be wearing wacky things, except the hero, who still has to look cool by the standards of the time the movie exists in. You know what I mean? Yeah. but He, he- can't...
2: He was still wearing crazy outfits at that point. I mean, his orange yeah. shirt's kind of crazy. Crazy,
0: but not as out there as, say, Ruby Rod's, want his leotard. His... Or Ray. Yeah. yeah, good point. So they have to have, like, some some connection to reality. I, yeah, just, I guess I, so. I just skipped the Ruby Rod's hair. I, just, I forgot about Ruby Rod's haircut. I'll mention that again.
2: <laughs> oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I love that Bruce Willis looks at it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like, I I often feel like Corbin Dallas with the r- Ruby Rod scenes, where people ask me questions and
2: <laughs> yeah. he's just like uh huh
0: yeah. I don't really know what people want to me sometimes. So <laughs> I I uh, I identify with the character at that moment. Where okay, <laughs> um, so I'd get a high score on the character relatability. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's. I think we should add that just for this. And it's a one. It's like a one, like a like a whole jumpsuit thing that Ruby Rods wearing, except with the weird yeah. collar, and it's leopard. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I now we go to the concert, right? Mm-hmm. Love this concert, and um, and does this mean that Ruby is? broadcasting this whole concert for free
0: i, I guess so because I, I i can't imagine that they edit out just the singing and we just get him commenting on something we can't hear but
2: i know it's really it, bizarre
0: maybe he's got exclusive broadcasting rights
2: <laughs> and we're gonna you know gary oldman you know zorg is gonna be like if you want something right you gotta do it yourself and uh, <laughs> he's a little over the top in this
0: one of his one it's it's one of his many weird line deliveries in this movie
2: <laughs> yeah and then he goes in you know and he like lilu has a like an amazing fight scene right while mm-hmm. laguna is singing and um and then he comes in and like basically shooting at her mm-hmm. somehow somehow misses her and uh gets back in his ship and then <laughs> they're not here <laughs> <laughs> Very like okay, Gary. I um, get that you don't want to be in this movie, but yeah, you know, but maybe try a little
0: harder. Your decisions are are strange yeah. and yet also somehow somehow effective in retrospect. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I kind of got the impression that he was purposefully being <laughs> being weird, over
2: the top. I think yeah. He was, you know, I think that's how he saw the character as being played. Which you know, he's not wrong. I mean, it's yeah. comic right. Pablo Laguna gets shot right because mm-hmm. the. The uh, Mangalores are taking over the mm-hmm. over the ship. And uh, how was she planning on getting the stones out if she hadn't been shot?
0: That's a good question. Um, maybe her species can secrete yeah. stones
2: <laughs> when needed. I don't know. Gigantic stones. How did they get all four of those inside of her? I don't know. Uh, a <laughs> little it, almost teenage body.
0: <laughs> more, I know. Um, <laughs> more information needed about this species anatomy
2: yeah exactly (laughs) and then um you know now we get to have the moment that uh that i don't know if we've been waiting for but it's a great moment where we get to see bruce willis just be a badass Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and uh, the first well there's a chase scene but this is like the big action sequence set of the of the film
2: right exactly and he's he's fucking awesome in
0: it Mm -hmm. and uh this is a good example of the, of the actor sort of, and it's a good version of like the actor's reputation preceding it, preceding him in a sense. Yeah. I mean this in a good way because like, we're expecting him to do that, like you said. And so it's very fulfilling when we actually get to see him do the
2: action star stuff. That's yeah, that's a good way to put it. And you know, and it's not a letdown. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He does action star stuff that is like really like, Oh, this is exactly what I was hoping for.
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. There's something to be said for wanting something and then getting just what you wanted and being like,
2: yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Movie. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, and we get to get all his, you know, glib Mm -hmm. one liners and stuff like that, or which Which, never, they never feel out of place. Yeah. Which is also what we wanted. Right. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I love, Ray, toss to me the gun. Mm-hmm. The gun. Then he, like, what does he throw some pool balls to him? Yeah. <laughs> and I love that he's bragging about it later. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I know. I just, you know, I, it's just the moment. And I... <laughs> <laughs> it, very, it
0: fits the character so well. And like, uh, do you remember when we did Speed, I wasn't thrilled with the way Keanu delivers some of his one-liners for that. Oh, yeah. Film? For that point in Keanu's career, especially, and I right. mentioned that Bruce Willis would do really well in that role. Yes, it's 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 funny. It's appropriate to me that he got um lumped in with like Schwarzenegger and Stallone back in the '90s because it's a small list of actors that can deliver dumb one-liners, dumb lines, yeah, yeah, and, and still and, be really funny and fun, yeah.
1: and not make you go, like, it.
0: yeah, go. That was fucking stupid, you know, yeah. like. And I think Willis might be the best of them at his I best. think so,
2: definitely. Well, because I think, you know, and this is not to take away from Arnie or Sly, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. Bruce is the best actor of the three. That's
0: probably true. And again, not to not to insult them, but um he's the one who started out as more of an actual actor rather than, you know, a muscle head.
2: <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> musclehead. Um I mean, well, I don't know, I think Sly started
0: out as more of an actor too. You know? uh, that's definitely true because people don't you ever meet people who don't realize that Rocky is a much more dramatic movie than they realized the first time? All movie? the time.
2: People have yep. no idea. Yeah. I mean, I so I was telling so Sarah as an example, I was like, we need to watch Rocky. She's like, I don't mm-hmm. care about Rocky. I'm yeah, like, so watch the first Rocky. Mm-hmm. And she didn't, she's like, This is really beautiful. And I'm yeah, like, I know, it's exactly. so good.
0: Um I have the same thing. Hudson won't really watch Rockies with me, but like sometimes like you know, scenes will be on or something on TV, and like, like for instance the scene where they're ice skating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and Hudson will be like, where's the boxing in
2: this movie? <laughs> and I'm like, it's very little boxing, actually. Yeah, it's just the like the last like 10-15 minutes. Yeah, it's mostly <laughs> character development and romance. And um, and I you know, I would say Rocky two through five are sort mm-hmm. of what you that's what you think of when people yeah. are thinking of those things yeah but rocky balboa and then mm-hmm. creed yep sort of creed. a return to that yeah i don't know about creed two or three because i haven't seen either of them me neither I
0: but i meant to go see creed three but um that was right when jonathan major's stuff came out and i
2: was like i'll see it at home yeah well i don't know what what the deal is with that but uh, me neither we don't need to get into yeah. that either <laughs> but 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 I think you're right about Bruce being the best actor of them. Um, of those three. Yeah. Of those three. And He's probably a better actor than Keanu in a lot of ways, too. It is interesting to think about, like, if Bruce Willis had, like, decided not to be an action star, mm-hmm. would he have won an Oscar? I bet he might have. I think he might have gone
0: a little bit closer to the career trajectory of Tom Hanks. Right. Starting off... With these very fun, lovable comedic roles, and then getting more and more dramatic, I don't know how successful Bruce would have been, just because that's not how it went.
2: Well, yeah, you know, and the thing is, of like his, he had moonlighting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he got Die Hard, mm-hmm. and Die Hard made him, and he and you know, and I don't, I'm not blaming Bruce for this at all, but he was like, okay, well, <laughs> I liked making this. I'm going to keep making movies like this, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, make a lot of money and I presume have some fun. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like some of these movies it was it might had, have been fun to make.
2: I had heard that at this point in his career he was sort of known for being hard to work with.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Kevin Smith
2: has this whole thing about how he was terrible to work with. But um, anyway. What so was that from
0: the from the Tracy not Tracy yeah. the Tracy Morgan. Yeah. The Tracy Morgan, yeah. Is that from that movie? Pop-out, yeah. yeah.
2: He said, it. Kevin Smith is literally, I think his words were, it was soul crushing to work with Bruce Willis.
0: It's kind of funny because we mentioned Keanu and it seems like Keanu's reputation has has actually like, um, his reputation has gotten better and increased what is not always a super strong actor. Yeah, exactly. The reverse is kind of true for Bruce where he got a bad reputation and we we're not appreciating some of his roles as much because we go i don't know i heard some bad things about him
2: well you know the other thing too is i think that with bruce willis once so if you if you get a bad reputation Mm -hmm. then you need the box office returns yeah true so if the box office starts to slip they have no reason to hire you yeah and i think that's really all it is um and then you, you, you basically have to either <clears throat> change your ways or deal with the fact that you'll never be on top again. You know, that's a good,
0: that's a good point. It's got to be a strange place to be like mentally once that starts happening. Yeah. So, um, to say nothing about personal issues, but anyway, yeah, we didn't even need to get into that.
2: But yeah. So, um. Anyway, back to Bruce Willis being a being a badass, right? So now he's gonna he's gonna mm. go up and he's like, Mangalores won't fight without their leader, right? I love, mm. but I, I love that he goes up there and he's like, How many are in there? And the guy's like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, and he like looks for two seconds. He's like seven on the left, five on the right. Uh huh. And then goes through boom, boom 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 knocks a bunch off, and he, <laughs> he he's I think he's already said at this point they won't fight without their leader, and he goes two on the left, three on the right. Um. So what he's saying there is he just killed seven of them. Yep. And then uh, he's like, "Oh, there's the leader." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Somebody come in to negotiate or whatever." And he's like, "Did you?" And then he's like, "I've never negotiated." Yeah. Uh... Who is that guy? By the way, I feel like he's in a lot of stuff where he's really like comically slapsticky.
0: You know, I I'm not I'm having trouble visualizing him um... in his little first mate hat. Yeah. Um,
2: anyway, so but the. the he Bruce Willis goes around the corner just shoots him right in the head Mm -hmm. anybody else want to negotiate (laughs) I mean could there be a more badass delivery of a line Mm -hmm.
0: and it's such a delicate line it's such a delicate thing because like there's so many so many actors and who doing something like that wouldn't wouldn't be convincing it would be like forced badassery but I don't know it's again like the charisma he's able to carry it
2: i know it's really good. i love and i love that the the guy was like where did he learn to negotiate like that and then it cuts back to the president i wonder (laughs) yeah the whole that whole bit was just really good
0: Mm -hmm. and there's Um, there's a a lot of little comedic moments in this action sequence and that's another delicate thing to try to to try to do and he manage Well, the filmmakers in general manage it very well. And uh I gotta admire it.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um so so now, you know, they go up, they they've got the stones, they get lilu and then this is where Vito's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Little Caesar Caesar's little Caesar's pizza pizza moment.
2: Yeah, exactly. And um you know they realize it's a bomb but zorg comes back because he doesn't have this realizes he doesn't have the stones. Yeah, stones yep so then they leave in zorg's ship which i just think is hilarious it's it is. really well done um and then he stops it with five seconds left and then the Mangalore goes for the honor mm-hmm. and he blows up anyway which yeah. is just it's all just fantastic um it's a, it's a fun end to it, a
0: very fun sequence.
2: And then, you know, Ruby Rod signs off and he's like, that's the best show I ever did.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, you know.
2: <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. I also enjoy that radio is still like a big thing in 300 years yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. And I this whole time, I'm like thinking, like, I really did not appreciate Chris Tucker's performance in this when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's like a lot, you know. <laughs> it's a it's, lot. It's it's easy to look back and be like,
0: and and to and to sort of like because you know, so you're expecting it. But at the time, it's like
2: I'm a little overwhelmed by this character. <laughs> um. So yeah, now they're they're in the temple. They put the stones around the center, and uh, they got to figure out how to get it to work. And, mm-hmm. and this is kind of a fun scene too. I like that they fi- how they figure it out and what they need to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, although Lilu is not much help. Yeah. Wind blows. Fire mm-hmm.
1: burns. <laughs> <I'm> like,
2: okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Very helpful. So then, you know, now this this giant flying ball of fire or whatever is hurtling towards Earth. And she's like, tell me you love me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, what she finally con- does.
0: I'm what? a little conflicted about um, Lelou at this point in the movie because I feel like some of it is a little. I suppose patronizing, yeah. But um, I get what they were going for, and I'm not against it. So
2: I understand what they're you're right. She, she's and, learning about life, and we yeah. Everything you build, you use to destroy. I get it. I get what, it, what's happening. It kind
0: of, it's kind of a shame that you know it had to be the woman character that this happens to, because like the implication being that oh well, women are emotional. But I I, I think that that was just a byproduct, it, and. It's not like some grand statement about women not being badass or action stars or something.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, she has some kick-ass scenes. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually love the, the, the scenes where she's fighting. Yeah, um, I, I they're excellent. And What's-Her-Face um, does, does a good job, both with the action and the conveying emotion parts. So I'm not
2: complaining. Yeah. I'm not complaining too much. I'm complaining a little. Um, but then, so, you know, it works, right? And I was wondering, mm-hmm. I'm like, do you think he took back the I love you right after it worked? <laughs> he's like I, look I, I really wanted you to do this and i like you but mm-hmm. i just needed you to do it so can we just i don't i need to take the relationship just a couple steps back for a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, <laughs> but then they like say how close it was to impact it was 62 miles mm-hmm. what yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's way too close on <laughs> a planetary scale that basically means it hurt. yeah exactly i'm like that's in the atmosphere basically yeah um <laughs> i mean it's it's not it's you know it's, it's, it's another
0: example. it's pretty damn close it's like before with the 200 billion or whatever it was arbitrarily large in here they needed an arbitrarily small amount
2: yeah exactly <laughs> and then we get uh, a very slapsticky ending, and mm-hmm. you know the guy's like they uh and then he's miming like i don't know coupling i guess mm-hmm. yeah I what he's miming there i don't know who yeah. sex like but yeah uh, <laughs> and then they talk to his mom and they all like hold the phone like, like uh-huh. it's disgusting yeah and then it ends that's we, we see them kissing and then it ends it's like all right it's an interesting <laughs> ending it is rather i uh, i find it to work but at the same time yeah it, no i i liked it um so it sounds like you and I, the the rank is going to go well for this. Because that's where we are right now. We've, mm-hmm. we've finished the movie overview. We're headed to our last segment, which is the rank. The rank. A rank. We're going to rank it based on ten categories. Story, acting, originality, action sequences, chase slash fight scenes, film coherence, hero appeal, villain appeal slash hatred, supporting characters appeal, and the final showdown. As said, as I said earlier, we're going to rank them all these categories on a scale of one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. And the first category is story. And I start and after talking about it, I almost, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe I made the wrong choices with my rankings, but I gave it a Mm
1: 3.25.
2: I think it's an above average story, but I think it's a little too simplistic. Yeah. So there's just an evil ball of fire going towards earth that has sentience I guess yeah. and is very um, scary if you talk to it. Yeah, and and its goal is to wipe out earth specifically. It's a fun adventure story, uh, but it's it's also a little light on substance I think. It it doesn't change the fact that I thoroughly enjoyed it just mm-hmm. you know, light on substance. But what, what what do you have?
0: I gave it a four, and actually now I'm kind of wondering if maybe I should have gone lower because you're right about it about some of it being really not just silly, but I don't know, downright stupid at times. <laughs> but like for instance, the ball of fire being—it's like the plot of Star Trek IV, except dumb, um, where it's just crazy thing coming to Earth. It's gonna kill us. Better do something. But, right. Aside from that, I like the 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 stuff about the Lilu being the fifth element. Blah blah blah, whatever that means. I remember I remember at a certain times thinking that doesn't even mean anything. It's just like they just made up. You know, it's the fifth element. Like it's not anything, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> it reminds
0: me of like in Captain Planet where the kids are, you know, Earth, Fire, Wind, Water, and yeah. hearts. It's like that's not anything. That's stupid. <laughs> Everybody knows that kid is the dumbest because Heart means nothing. But um. Well, that's what Lilu is. She's hard. She's hard, but that's okay. I'm okay with it.
2: So <laughs> I'm a badass. That. That. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the four. I think because I'm glad that you are because I feel bad giving the three and a quarter. So yeah, you kind
0: of you kind of talked me down a little bit, but now I'm talking myself back up. So maybe Good. that's maybe that's how it goes because the movie is. It's like it doesn't matter too much, and the movie is devoted to it. Like presents it in a way that it, I don't care that it's dumb. So.
2: Yeah, I like it. So now let's go to the next category, which is mm. acting. And go ahead. Acting is a tough one,
0: don't you think? For this movie yes. particularly?
2: It's a very tough one for this movie.
0: You're going to be surprised by my score, I think. It's 4.5.
2: Really? I am surprised by that.
0: It's, it's not what you would call great acting, necessarily. It's not what you would think of, let's watch a movie with great performances. This is not what you think of. But everything is pitch perfect for what it's trying to be, so I can't really fault it. And it's, That's from that's from Willis down to some of these wacky Mandalores or whatever they are.
2: You know, that's a really good point, that they acting, they were doing, it seems like they were doing exactly what they were asked to do, mm-hmm. and they did it well. Um, mm-hmm. So I gave it a 3.75, but I'm thinking about bumping it up, actually, mm-hmm. because of what you said. But let me just, let's talk through it. Okay, so i i think that bruce willis is insanely charming Mm -hmm. okay um i think mila jovovich is really cute and funny and a badass and everything Mm -hmm. but at times i felt like she was in a little over her head Mm -hmm. um she's still good though like it's not just there were like moments where you're like okay you're like i can see that you're sort of new to acting yeah right i can see that um I remember really disliking Ruby Rod when I yeah. first watched it, but now I see it as a pretty daring character for the time and actually mm. really well played by Chris Tucker. Yeah, uh, Gary Oldman tends to be a little over the top in this, but but is enjoyable. Mm. Um, so I think a lot of it's good, but then uh, it, it tends toward hammy sometimes, like Vito yeah, is a little definitely. bit like hammy. and Definitely. Um, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to a four, though, because okay. I I agree with you. I think it's... You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't pick this out and say, "Look at all this great acting." Mm-hmm. You could definitely pick it out and say, "Look at how they achieved the director's vision."
0: Mm-hmm. So, and you and you might not think the director's vision was that well advised, but that that doesn't reflect on the actors who were paid to do a job. You know, it reminds right, me right. a little bit of it reminds me a little bit of the Mummy, where like so much of it is goofy as hell. But that is the point. So, I don't know.
2: right, right. No, it's a, it's a good point. Um, but the next category is originality. And for that, I gave a four. Okay. It's a good versus evil sci-fi picture. Mm -hmm. Right. So not super original in that sense, but the playfulness of it, you know, and the the far distance in the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know that we really get many sci-fi things that are 300 years from now, Mm -hmm. but Maybe we do, and I just am not I'm forgetting it, but um, and the world building, I, I thought all of that was was pretty unique. But what's really kind of excellent to look back on is that Luke Besson and Jean, whoever the fuck designer <laughs> was, really leaned into a future that didn't necessarily need masculinity to be clothed the same way, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's really kind of cool, and I think it's pretty unique. Though they still saw the future as being more exploitative of a woman's body than it was in 1997, yeah. which is weird, though I did love it in 1997 because I was 30.
0: <laughs> Fair. <laughs> not going to not gonna fault you for that, especially given the uh, self-awareness. <laughs> All right, but what did you give it? This was, an, I don't know. Um, I gave it a three, and I'm thinking of bumping it up. And I, and I've, I think I've said that for everyone so far because i'm a little conflicted for years and years i kind of just thought of a lot of the setting as being like blade runner light in a sense and that might you might be like what that's a totally different tone but like this a lot of like for instance the uh the 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 the, war, the city and like the the smogginess and a lot of the uh, sort of asian influences i remember thinking like I feel like Blade Runner did this better, but the thing is, is that on this re, this is kind of why I'm glad that some of these movies are getting we're rewatching them and sort of getting a new take on them. I think that's not the not the best way to go. Not, the, I'm sorry, let me fix that. I think I'm wrong there. I think it's its own, it's it is its own vision. It does have some elements of this, but that's because sci fi sort of cannibalizes from itself all over the place. Um, and I love the light, playful kind of future this is because it's like showing a, a future that kind of sucks in a lot of ways, but it's still fun and still contains happiness and brightness and it isn't just completely out of, out of control. Um, so the story, oh wait, I didn't talk about the story. <laughs> Sorry, I was just talking about the, the design. The story is not super original. That's where the, the low grade comes, the low part of the grade comes from. Um, so much of the story is just like, like you said, kind of like, I, it's either dumb or you've, you've seen better versions of that kind of story elsewhere. But a lot of the vision and the execution is so unique that it does bump it up a little bit. I think I'm going to go to 3.25. In that mess of, a, of, a, of, a, of an explanation, I, I convinced myself to go up a bit.
2: <laughs> All right. So 3.25. Let's just um, let's, let's cut the entirety of that explanation. <laughs> no, no, it was good. It was good. Um, but the next one is action sequences. So what do you have for that? Action
0: sequences, I gave a three and a half. Um, because it didn't feel like there were actually that many of them. Um, interesting. There's a couple. And it felt like there was the one big action sequence. And that was kind of it. And it was really well done. But in general, if like someone asked me, oh, can you recommend a really kick-ass action movie? I'm not sure I would go to this one right away, because there's not as much. If they really just want like, non-stop action, I might go with something else.
2: Well, I have to say that uh, I'm rethinking my score already, because mm-hmm. I gave it a five. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's and, from what I gave it. <laughs> well, so my thinking was I was thinking about the action sequences, right, mm-hmm. which were you know essentially the the one big action sequence right but mm-hmm. then um so there was there's a fight scene there's a couple there's a fight scene and a chase scene and an action sequence mm-hmm. basically and um i don't know i just like i couldn't think of a fault mm-hmm. with it i see what you're saying about there just not being very many but you know the action sequence that it had was like amazing i mm-hmm. i couldn't think of anything wrong with it um i did keep thinking the whole time i was like well it's not they're not a it's not a five mm-hmm. but then i couldn't decide why so i was like well i'm just gonna go with a five that's and perfect, maybe, that's and, perfect I maybe, fair. and i thought well maybe he'll convince me otherwise <laughs> um, which you kind of did you see that the, that one big action sequence is that the final showdown or is that so it's... no i don't think it is i think okay. the final showdown is when they when they line up the fifth element and they stop the the rock
0: okay um that's a good point. I think I might have to reconsider my final showdown grade then because I was considering the big fight at the opera house
2: to be the final showdown.
0: We'll get well, there.
2: Yeah, so let's think about it. All right. Because I'm I'm gonna keep mine as a five because I consider that action sequence to be perfect. Okay. And it's the only action sequence really in it. So I'm gonna keep it. Um, um I, I'm gonna put mine up a little bit then. Let's put okay. mine up by like a point. 2.5. So 3.75.
0: Because I was considering that to be part of the final showdown. So that's going to bring my final showdown grade a little bit, down a little bit, but that's okay.
2: Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. So then we go to chase and fight scenes and that I also gave a five. Okay. Uh, the police chasing Lelou is mm-hmm. excellent. The mm-hmm. fight scene with Lilu f- fighting the, the Mangalores is really mm-hmm. well done. And, you know, and considering she had never done action previously, it's pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really enjoyed the style of it with them fighting with an opera in the background. I thought it mm-hmm. was really creative and well done. So, yeah. I I've, I loved the fight scenes in this, but what
0: about you? I gave it a four and a half for exactly the same reason. The That's another one that in my memory, I kind of considered the, um, the fight scene at the opera house to be a little cheesy, that um, she's like mirroring the opera, the singer's moves and stuff like that, but this time watching it through, it absolutely worked. It was cheesy, but like it knows that it's not a problem and it completely worked for me and Mila Mila Jovovich sells it very well um
2: well also didn't they showed that this uh this alien being the the diva there mm-hmm. has telekinetic ability so i mm-hmm. always took it as like she knew what was going on in the room
0: yeah ex- you're absolutely right um that's why you know i'm kind of glad to to revisit some of these and realize that my memory of it wasn't exactly accurate um so i think i i didn't quite give it a five again because of uh volume the quality the, the what's there is is high quality but there isn't so much there and actually uh the chase scenes were were particularly good in in my view the from when yeah. she's when she's running from the police that is excellent and it's early in the movie so it's good because it adds it adds some excitement to what there's almost,
2: there's almost two there's basically two chase scenes back to back
0: yeah because there's them chasing the us through
2: the building and then mm-hmm. there's the cab chase
0: both of which are good
2: so it's both like of which continue. are really excellent yeah yeah it's a good continuation um all right so the next category is film coherence and what do you have for that i gave that a four and a half two because i couldn't think
0: again as long as you're in as long as you go along with what is presented the vision of everything everything is really fun and, 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 and works. I could see someone thinking the movie's a mess. I would buy that perspective from, from someone if they presented it to me, because of how out of nowhere a lot of things are, of the tone being consistent, but at the same time, like, inadvisable. Like, I could see someone being like, if you want to make a sci-fi action epic, you don't just add all this silliness. But the silliness, the silliness is part of the point, so the fact that it occurs constantly and is sometimes out of nowhere is perfectly fine for right?
2: me. So I gave it a three.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is coming from somebody who absolutely loves this movie. All right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I think the movie goes about itself in an understandable way, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's not incoherent at a high level from like a high level view. Mm-hmm. It goes along. There's not wasted scenes, right? It it flows. Mm-hmm. And it's when you dive just a little bit deeper mm-hmm. that it gets a little odd, right? Yeah, it's very contradictory at times. Like when the aliens are, are like, "Only life's important. Time to kill some dudes," right? <laughs> and and Zorg is helping Mister Shadow. Yeah, but why? Yeah. Right? I mean i think the motivations for the key parts of the plot are just very lacking Mm -hmm. okay so it'd be one thing if it was a giant ball of fire that was going towards earth you know and we just had to stop it like Mm -hmm. armageddon or deep impact right like those that kind of a thing but we have it it's it has sentience it's like it wants to kill earth Mm -hmm. why
0: It's a good point. It never really gets into. I mean, it's uh, it sounds kind of silly to be like, well, what's Mr. Shadow's motivation? But really, like, we don't even know what Mr. Shadow is. Right. It's just the
2: bad guy. So to me, it's like it's the 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 coherence is there in terms of structure of the mm -hmm. movie, but the the story coherence is really like kind of lacking. Which does not take away from the entertainment value, by the way. I love it. It's just, you know, to me, it's just kind of average. Yeah, I think you make a good point. Well, let's go to uh let's go to the next one which is hero appeal. Um I'm curious if we're going to be close on this one. I am too. Um because I gave it a 5.
0: Okay.
2: Bruce Willis at his charmiest, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I absolutely love Corbin Dallas and He's confident without seeming arrogant. Um, his repartee with Lilu is just so much fun. I mean, he's great. Mm-hmm. He's great. You're rooting for him the whole time. Um, what a, what a, what about mm-hmm. you? What do you got? I get four and a half. Pretty much the same. We're close.
0: Yeah, I uh, didn't go five because I didn't love a lot of the. I don't know. I didn't love some of the character as as written, and I feel like if. Anybody other than Bruce Willis had played it had played it, it would have not worked. And I feel like it's his is his natural charisma as an action star that saves it in some sense. But um that's a really stupid way to say it. Let me rephrase it. Because it's not that it saves it, but it does elevate it to a much better place. Whereas yeah, I like, see that. whereas if it was a someone a lesser action star, it wouldn't be fun. Because, like you said, it wouldn't radiate the confidence, but also. the 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 quiet confidence it wouldn't radiate that and um so that's why i just didn't go perfect but four and a
2: half is pretty darn good yeah i'll say four and a half is great so now we'll go to villain appeal slash hatred so what do you have for that
0: i gave that a two um i'm i'm thinking of going up because i was thinking mostly of the of the big ball or whatever it is being the villain um but let's i want to hear if you what you say about gary oldman's character Okay, so I gave it
2: a two as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because I, I do think Gary Oldman is pretty decent in this. Um mm-hmm. but he's not the main villain. Mm-hmm. Right? But even if he was the main villain, I still don't think it'd be a great score. You yeah. know, I, I think it'd probably be like maybe 3.5, 3.75. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the hardest part is the unrealized motivation of the villains, mm-hmm. right? If they had if so if it had like If it had been like aliens, if it had been a xenomorph or a predator, um, Mm -hmm. then that would be one thing. But this, like, quote-unquote evil has sentiences and is conniving, right? Um, But we don't know why. Mm -hmm. We just know it wants to kill everybody. Um, And I I guess, you know, you could say, well, it's just an evil, right? It it Mm -hmm. wants to kill everybody because it's evil and wants to kill everybody. But to me, that's not like... um, that that doesn't drive any sort of appeal or hatred for me. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay, got to stop with just, the ball.
0: Yeah, it's an impetus for the plot to move on. Yeah. it's not it's exactly. not actually a, a, a compelling character
2: at all. Oh. Yeah,
0: I mean it's and not what, a character basically.
2: I mean if you if you were to say villain appeal is just that ball,
0: yeah,
1: then
2: it's like a one, you know, yeah. one and a half. But I, I elevated a little bit because I don't think you can I don't think you can take Zorg out of villain appeal. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, all right. So then we go on to supporting characters appeal. And for that, I gave a
1: Mm
2: 4.25. I really enjoy most of them. Uh, I think Tiny Lister as the president is kind of awesome. Ruby Rod is excellent. Vito, Cornelius, and David are fun, although kind of hammy. Like, you know, a little slapsticky, right? But that's Mm -hmm. fine. Took me. They, I think. There was only there were a couple times with Cornelius where he took me out of it a little bit, like the Itza Itza Itza, and when he fainted. Yeah. Right. But that's not. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, and I thought Zorg was decent, but kind of two dimensional. You know, because we don't understand his motivation other than like I guess he wants to be rich. Yeah. I don't really get that one. But yeah, that's it. Um, I, you know, I think it's good grade. What do you
0: have? Four point seven five. I I really like all the supporting characters. Um. It's it's probably just because I was having a blast watching the damn thing. Um, <laughs> me too. So like even the the Mangalores or whatever were fun. Um, I really liked the way a lot of the Mangalores when they're human were played by those actors because. It's so it's so stupid and yet convincing. I loved like I I said before. I already praised the scene with all the different Corbin analysis, but it, it's it's like progressively hilarious. And I love the stupid guy when he's angry and then the guns come out at him and he's apologizing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all funny. Even the I mean, all, all the way down to the, the the flight attendants are all funny.
2: I don't know. Everybody's funny. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't know that that scene goes off so well without mm-hmm. uh, the, the good acting of the precisely the cashier in that role, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever you call it, yeah, Whatever she is, yeah.
0: <laughs> the, 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 the airline person. It doesn't matter. But yeah, it's it's all really well done and fun. So I can't, you know, like, well done actors for being wacky, wacky in just the right way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that brings us to our final showdown. What do you have for that? Well, I had initially given that a four and a half, because of the big opera house shootout, but I went. I put that down. I put that up. So this one is going to go down, but not even correspondingly. Um, because if it's just the ending part, I think that's closer to like a three and a half. and that it's good, probably a, a very satisfying ending for the movie in general, but not that exciting. So,
2: well, you're going to be surprised by this. Mm-hmm
0: three and a half. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, a couple of these I was thinking, oh, man, this is kind of a weird score for me to give it. And then like for the two for for uh, villain appeal hatred, I was like, oh no, he's going to be so weirded out by the score. But then it, you gave it two two. So, <laughs> I, guess, I guess we're pretty much on the same page in a lot of ways. I think
2: it's that we both really loved this movie. So we mm-hmm. neither of us wanted to disappoint the other by giving yeah. low scores. Yeah, but, but I'm glad that we stayed true to the ranking. Mm-hmm. So um but yeah I, I mean it's it's very cathartic and cool when they get the uh the five elements together and yeah. win, you know. Mm-hmm. So I gave it points for that, but I don't particularly like that he he has to tell her he loves her for her to mm-hmm. finish the job. Yeah. Um I'm okay with the trying to convince her, but I felt a little like kind of forced the love yeah. part Um and I just didn't care about Mr. Shadow that much, you <laughs> yeah. know, like that's okay, the balls stopped i guess um i do want to see the prequel Mm -hmm. right where they they do this you know five thousand years before Mm -hmm. and they stop the ball and that's what has become the moon Mm -hmm. i like the the premise there um uh you know and and i mean i get that we don't want him to win you know because Mm -hmm. it's the apocalypse but eh, you know so (laughs) oh um, well but yeah, but I thought the the catharsis of the moment of getting it all together and the, you know the the scream that goes up into the air and stops the ball. I mean that's that's good. That's worth mm-hmm. that's worth an above average score but I don't think it's worth much more than that. You're probably right. All right, well that's the rank. Um I it got a 78.25 huh. which means it is 0.9 below Spider-Man and one point nine five above speed.
0: Huh. That's that's very middle of the pack. I was expecting it to be a little higher, but I think that's because
2: it's because of the categories.
0: Yeah, yeah. If it was just fun watching, yeah, it would be extremely high in my view. But
2: I agree. I, I think that if you if you took this and we just did like I'm going to rank it on a scale of one to five for how much I like the movie. Hmm. And then you did the same, this would, this would be like 4.85, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not that because, you know, we're trying to do it a little bit deeper than just, I liked it. Right. <laughs> you know, we're trying to give you a, a breakdown of what makes a good action movie. Right. That would be a goofy <laughs> podcast. Did you like it? Uh-huh. Join <laughs> us next time. <laughs> and I, you know, and I think that 78.25 while it is sort of in the middle, I, I think that's still like that's still pretty good. I mean it's it's right it's two points below Hero, which by the way, if I hadn't upped the final showdown score on that one, mm-hmm. it would be tied with Hero right now. Hmm, that's interesting to think of. So you know, I don't think it's in bad company. I mean it's only mm-hmm. five points away from Predator. Yeah. So um anyway, it's the it's the best action movie of nineteen ninety seven. Oh, the only one we have got. Yeah, that's okay. But hey, you know what? Thank you everybody for listening. Um if you'd like to see an updated list of our rankings, you can see that on our website at therankwithjohnandzack.com. You can become a patron on Patreon at the rank uh, at patreon.com/therankpodcast and listen to these episodes before anybody else. Or hey, you know, you could even have a moment on the podcast with podcast with us if you'd like we'll you know you'll get to have your say on on whatever movie we're we're uh, ranking that week right mm-hmm. we'll let you know we're like hey we're gonna have you on this episode this is the movie that we'll be ranking if you want to watch it beforehand and you know you can come on the rank and give us a breakdown right and be you like you, two you are thought. stupid yeah or you two are super smart and i love you um actually don't do that that's bad radio yeah yeah because <laughs> you're on the radio
0: ruby rod agrees with me trust he does i was just thinking next 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 episode i think i'm going to do entirely as ruby rod
2: (laughs) or maybe you know you don't want to be like uh putting yourself out there being on an episode but you just want us to say your name we'll give you a shout out you know that's what you get Mm -hmm. if you become a patron but um you know if engaging with money isn't what you want to do? I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Shoot us an email at the rank uh, at the rank with john and zach at protonmail.com or tweet at us at the rank podcast. We'll answer you. You can write comments on our on our website if you want. We're happy to uh we're happy to interact. So mm-hmm. we're looking forward to hearing from you. Please, please send it. Um your engagements are away. Um, mm-hmm. but either way you want to do it, you can check us out next week when we're ranking the equalizer starring Denzel Washington and directed by Antoine Fuqua, the 2014 movie. Um, that We're doing that because next week The Equalizer 3 comes out. So I assume you'll all be seeing that in the theaters. Will it hold up to The Equalizer 1? Uh, well, we won't find out, but you can tell us if you if you think it does. Yeah. <laughs> the Equalizer 2, forget. Who cares?
0: Well, goodbye, everyone. And
2: api pusan.
1: I muted myself
0: there to demonstrate, and yeah. realized that it wasn't demonstrating anything. Um, <laughs> I like look for,
1: (laughs) what was that?